While Luton Borough Council is asking the local cultural service trust to look at other funding options, such as sponsorship, before it finalises its plans in October. Now, a Milton Keane man fears his street is being stalked by a cat killer. Ken Powers' foster cat, Bo, had to be put down after suffering antifreeze poisoning. Mr Power believes the cat had been fed chicken, coated in the substance, but says he can't understand why anyone would do it. I don't understand. There is no rationale behind it. There's no logical sense to it. And no, I, I, I can't understand why anybody would do that. I wouldn't know where to begin. Research suggests the government's benefit changes have made work more attractive. An independent think tank says cuts such as the benefits cap, which limits how much someone on welfare receives, means the gap between being on benefits and earning a wage has been reduced. People will have a chance to have their say over the future of children's services at Bedford Hospital later on this year. It's when a consultation begins. The Trust has faced severe criticism for closing some of its paediatric services after junior doctors were withdrawn because of a shortage. The hospitals apologise but says they'll now look to advertise posts across both Milton Keynes and Bedford. But the Mayor of Bedford, Dave Hodgson, has concerns about the need by the local clinical commissioning group to go back to the drawing board. The hospital had good clinical outcomes in paediatrics. The hospital in the last two years has been financially viable. So the, both those things are OK, and yet it seems to be used an excuse by the CCG to actually look at reconfiguring, and does that mean removing services from Bedford Hospital? I hope not, but I believe so. Football and captain Stephen Gerrard says England are now in a good position. That's after ensuring their qualification for next year's World Cups in their own hands. Last night, they drew against Ukraine. Weather, and it should be mostly dry, a little bit of rain later on. Temperatures warmer than yesterday, 18 degrees Celsius. Get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio. We're having fun and games at uh, Three Counties Towers. Nobody's email works. Nobody's email works. And you see how the whole thing collapses without emails. Isn't it disappointing? On a plus side, I've got two cups of tea in front of me. Life gives with one hand, it takes with the other. Huh? You see? Lots coming up on the show today, including Coronation Street star Michael Lavelle has been found innocent of child rape charges. Well, should everyone accused of sex crimes remain anonymous until they're found guilty? Protesters against the closure of two libraries in Luton say they will continue their fight to keep the premises open. How do we make libraries cool? And one Milton Keynes resident believes a cat murderer is on the loose. Why do some people hate cats? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text, 81333. Start your text, 3CR. The best way to get in touch... We've had lots of phone calls this week, I love it. 08459 455 Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, while we try and sort out these flipping emails, let's have a bit of Blondie. 
likes a bit of blondie. Everyone does. I can't think of one person who doesn't like a bit of blondie. And if, if, if you are that person, if you're sat at home going, it's me, I can't stand them, well, then you're fired. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots to get through today, including the actor Michael Lavelle is planning to speak to ITV bosses about a possible return to Coronation Street after being cleared of all 12 charges of child sex abuse that he was facing. The actor said he was delighted with the verdict. I'd like to thank ITV as well for their uh, continued support throughout this uh, traumatic time for all of us. And I'd just like to say uh, thank you all for being patient. And uh, I might go and have a drink now, believe it. Cheers. His accuser, who cannot be named, claims she was abused from the age of six until she was 14. The jury at Manchester Crown Court took just over four hours to return uh, verdicts of not guilty on all counts. Nigel Pavaro, who played the character Terry Duckworth in the soap, spoke outside the court. Being high profile has exacerbated his position. We we know he's an innocent man, but for two years he's uh, he's been under the the, uh, intense scrutiny. Obviously not all that scrutiny was uh, positive. This case has raised questions as to whether those like Mr Lavelle, who are accused of sexual offences, should be granted the same degree of anonymity as the alleged victim. Until 1988, complainants and defendants in rape cases had anonymity, but that was changed so suspects weren't being treated differently from people accused of other crimes. Carmen Melli is a criminal barrister specialising in sexual offences. She says there is sense in keeping things as they are now. Probably the main reason in favour of being allowed to publish defendants' names is the argument about other victims coming forward, and that is one that we've seen time and time again from the London taxi driver rapist, and also, of course, more recently with Stuart Hall, that the names are publicised and other victims who didn't feel they had the strength to come forward when they felt they were alone do come forward and it makes a material difference to the prospects of conviction. Well, Justin Dealey has been out finding what people think. I've often said this, Justin, if someone is accused of of a sex crime, they should remain anonymous because anybody can go and throw an accusation at somebody and uh, people will be going oh mud, mud sticks there's no smoke without fire when th- there is smoke without fire on occasion i mean absolutely in that clip they heard somebody say well this has now been going on for two years of course we read the newspapers every single day uh, there's been so much written about this so i've been out to uh, dunstable talking to people about uh, michael lavelle asking people whether he had the right to remain anonymous and here's what people had to say he should have um it was he wasn't guilty or he was found not guilty but he's now been labelled. I mean, his name was all over the newspapers, but her name's been kept completely out of the papers. She's had anonymity the whole way through this trial. If a man is found guilty, then the accuser should keep her in anonymity. But if he is found innocent, they should release her name. And as far as I'm concerned, it's, a, it's got to be fair, and that's the only way it can be done fair. Dave, what do you think about anonymity in this particular case? I think anybody accused of a crime like that should be have anonymity until they're proven guilty because it doesn't matter if you're a film star or some poor schmuck living down the street i know of people it's happened to and they've had to move just because they got accused of a sexual crime in the end he was proved innocent yes so despite being proved innocent that has ruined his life yeah. you're making a point there you don't have to be famous to be in that situation that's it you don't anybody it could happen to me you anyone and why should it just be the rich and famous get it everybody should have that right you are innocent and you are proved guilty. And this, and this guy, he was tried by news. He was tried and found guilty by the news well before he ever got to court. I don't think he should have been named. Can you tell us why? Well, because it's ruined his life, hasn't it? 
but I mean really if you've chosen to be in the public eye then that was part of it isn't it really so we've heard all sorts of stories about him having affairs alcohol problems as well even though he's been announced as being innocent do you think he should still go back onto that soap because it is a family soap at the end of the day no not really it's it's, it's too far gone hasn't it really everything that's gone on I mean um, people aren't really going to enjoy watching watched him anyway so i don't think so i think he needs to try a different avenue now and so even though he's innocent you think the problems with the alcohol and adultery yeah, is too much it's all been too much people aren't then interested in, in watching it are they really so well i i would dispute what that lady says i would suggest yeah. that people are more interested in, in, in watching it but yeah he's had uh, listen he's had problems with alcohol and he's had he's had affairs outside of his marriage and exactly you know in life everyone has problems nobody despite being a a tv star a film star or or the average man on the street every single person in their life is going to have problems and everyone in life deserves a second chance here we have an innocent man Uh, he's been through this for a long long time whether he wants to go back onto the soap of course that's another question just imagine it i I, I often try and put myself in the position of these people this guy's not worked for i don't know 18 months probably two years since this started so he's not earned anything for two years He's had the humiliation of, of being branded a paedophile. He's been dragged through the press. He's had all his mucky little secrets. We've all got mucky little secrets. He's had those exposed in the press. Just, it, it's just so humiliating, isn't it? If I was him, I'd probably uh, move abroad. Um, simple as that. And I think um, the, the man Dave in that piece there raised uh, a fascinating point. Somebody down his street um, had the same problem. And he had to move because of the abuse that he suffered, despite being an innocent man. Yes, he, he proved himself innocent in the end, but... Until that point, his life was an absolute misery because people thought that, that he was a paedophile, and he wasn't. Justin, thank you very much uh, indeed. Well, a couple of questions, I guess, uh, spring from this. The first one is, should uh, Michael Lavelle, should Kevin Webster be allowed back on Coronation Street? I can't see a reason why he wouldn't be allowed back on Coronation Street. I always felt a little bit sorry for John Leslie. Remember John Leslie? He got accused of lots of rapes and things, was found completely innocent... Uh, but lost all of his jobs because some of his other mucky little secrets have been exposed. Uh, and is that going to have the same impact on... Um, I keep going to say Kevin Webster, Michael Lavelle. Should he be allowed back on Coronation Street? 08459 455 555. And the second question is, broadening it out slightly, should people who have been accused of uh, sex crimes, whatever they may be, remain uh, anonymous until they're found guilty? We only learn their name and their identity when they've been found guilty. 08459 four double five five double five. You can also go to facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR or you can send me a text 81333. Start your text 3CR. It's coming up to a quarter past six. Let's get the travel news now with Adam. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. Everything looking pretty clear on the roads at the moment. No problems on the M40. Cameras around High Wycombe showing not too much traffic yet building up. M25 is looking alright in the roadworks section, but of course we know that'll get busy as the morning goes on. Roadworks in St Albans continue. Hatfield Road, the A1057. Water main work at the junction with Ashley Road is going to be there probably for another 10 days or so. And some works in Beaconsfield. There are two sets of temporary traffic lights up on the A355. The first near Burnham Road and the other's quite near to Dorney Bottom, just after Hare Hatch Lane. Looking at the train departure boards, and it's been a good start on the rails as well. We've got no major delays, no late runners, and no trouble for the tubes to or from London either. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. 
Gosh, things are falling apart here. We've just managed to get the phone number of our next guest, which is convenient, isn't it? This is the BBC. 6.16, I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. The Coronation Street actor Michael Lavelle says he wants his job back after he was found not guilty of sexually abusing a young girl. People say their libraries in Luton aren't being taken seriously as there are plans to close both Wigmore and Sundon Park. And in sport, it was a goalless draw between England and Ukraine in their World Cup qualifier last night. And coming up, there are worries in Milton Keynes that there might be a cat murderer. Why do people hate cats so much? 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. On Friday night, there's an extra three county sport. Luton are in conference action away to Wrexham, hoping to consign the hosts to their fourth straight defeat. By building on Saturday's performance. The only thing we're disappointed about is we haven't scored the goal that wins the game. We have people that can score, I know that we do. If we keep doing that, then I think the rest will follow. Wrexham versus Luton, Friday night from seven in three county sport. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. I know it's if we don't do albums of the week because that's a terribly tired and sad and boring format. But if we did do an album of the week this week, it would be Meet Glen Campbell, which is a fantastic uh, Glen Campbell album, obviously, uh, where he uh, kind of tried to make himself a bit hipper about five, six years ago and did a load of cover versions. Uh, and we're, we're playing a fun little game where Kelly Betts, who knows absolutely nothing about music... Hiya. Hello. ...comes in and uh, picks a song at random and we chew the fat... That means talk. Okay, that was your... When, I'm, when, I'm, when I leave a gap and I point mm. at you, that's kind of your cue to... I didn't really have anything to say then, though. Okay. Now, what have you thought of the songs that we've heard so far from Meek Glen Campbell? <sighs> well, they've been a bit dull. Oh. I haven't massively enjoyed it. Right. I like... I think what, he's got that one song, uh, something about Lineman. Is that him? Yeah. Yes, the Wichita Lineman, but this, yeah. with this album... Is all covers. Yeah. That he's destroyed. Okay, well, I think you're you're a tough nut to crack. I think I can sway you today. Okay, pick a number between one and ten. Don't pick eight. And yeah, we had uh, five, and I think we had uh, three. Three. Um, how about you? We narrow it down, and you give me the numbers that, of the tracks that you think I might like, or covers that of songs that I might know. Well, I, I know producer Tara is keen to go for the uh, U2 song. Oh, what song is it? Um, Sadly beautiful. Is that the U2 song? What? Who? What? Well, I don't, all I want is you. All I want is you. Is that it? Yeah, that's that's um, okay. Or you like you? You're young. Green Day. Mm. Oh yeah. What song? Good Riddance. Really? Yes. What number is that? Nine. Okay. Are you going to ask me? Well, what? what? Just tell me what you want. Nine. Is that what you want? Yes. Because you sure? Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, well, let's have a listen, and we'll okay. have a little. I'll see you on the other side of this. All right then. That's what they say. Bye. Yeah. Another turning point, a fork stuck in the road Time grabs you by the wrist, directs you where to go So make the best of this test and don't ask why It's not a question but a lesson learned in time It's something unpredictable but in the end it's right I hope you had the time of your life 
Now that, you've got to admit, is pretty... Well, I'm not going to influence you, Kelly Betts. That was... Uh, um, let me do it. That was Glen Campbell from the Meet Glen Campbell album, not our album of the week, uh, with the Green Day song... Uh, good riddance brackets, time of your life, close brackets. What he's done yeah. is taken a really nice current song, mm. which is, you know, a good few years old now, and made it really, really boring. Wow. What he's actually done wow. is he's played, what, preset four on a keyboard and just let it on loop, and then he's got, like, a guitar or whatever over it, and he's just being all old. How old is he? Is he still alive? Was he still alive when he made that? I think I'm going to ask you to leave the studio now. Ox. Goodbye. Okay. Thanks, though, mate. I really have been enjoying this thing that we've been doing. Well, I'm sure you've been enjoying uh, this thing that we've been doing because it really is a lot of fun. On to slightly more serious issues. A Milton Keynes man says he's worried his pet cat may have died after having been maliciously fed antifreeze. Ken Power believes Bo had been fed chicken coated in the substance and claims other cats in the road have died of the same thing or have gone missing. Well, our Milton Keynes reporter Craig Lewis spoke to Ken. We have this little alleyway that runs down the side of the house and there's a little sort of um, a cat shelter in there. But what I did is I just looked in there on the off chance and I could see this silhouette of bow. I stuck my hand in to stroke him, you know, and he didn't wake up. Uh, we got a call from the vet who told us that um, he suspected that bow had been poisoned with um, antifreeze. So what, what made you think that this was a deliberate act? I uh, wish, you know, if the best case scenario for us would be if it was a tragic accident and somebody had been doing some car stuff, they'd been draining the radiator, they'd been filmed with antifreeze. Um, and that would have been the best scenario, that was just an accident. Um, we've spoken to neighbours and nobody was doing anything like that. Um, plus that Thursday was probably the hottest day of the year and I don't think anybody would even thinking about antifreeze. Um, plus we found out on the on the Saturday, um, that another cat at the opposite end of our street was poisoned as well. Also, a neighbour almost facing where he lives has two cats missing. Um, so, unfortunately, I think it, it's somebody who's doing this deliberately. Well, that was Ken Power in Milton Keynes speaking to our reporter Craig Lewis. Sue Parslow is the editor of Your Cat magazine. They recently ran a campaign to try and bridge the gap between cat lovers and those who don't like them. Sue, this isn't that uncommon, is it? No, sadly, um, it is quite a common occurrence around the country. It seems to go in spades. Why would somebody do it? Well, I think people generally are becoming more intolerant and a little more territorial about their own properties. Um, and it, it's unfortunate that, that cats do have freedom to roam and uh, they do pop up in people's gardens. Um, and in our neighbourhood cat campaign, which we ran through this spring, we looked at the issues that um, upset neighbours. We ran a survey um, that was completed by cat owners and non-cat owners. So we, we got a fairly balanced response. And um, we, we discovered that what non-cat owners really don't like about cats is them toileting in their flower beds followed by hunting birds and digging up or damaging plants. 
So we did our best in the magazine to cover those areas, to give advice to cat owners about how they could keep their cats within their own gardens, provide them with all the things that they need, and to deter them from hunting birds. Well, 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 how do you keep your cat in your own garden? Because once they're out, they, they can go anywhere. Uh, yes, but I, th- I think one of the secrets is to enrich your own garden, to think about the things that your cat will be looking about when he's out and about, uh, providing with an outdoor latrine so he doesn't have to trot over into next door's garden and use their newly dug over flower bed, mm. um, and to provide him with things he can climb, places he can hide and explore, so sort of dense shrubberies and, and nice trees, and somewhere he can, he can hide. Will those things not attract all the local cats, though? Uh, potentially, and our survey did show that um, a third of cat owners themselves have problems with other people's cats. Um, and, uh, and it's kind of a, a fact of our modern-day society where we've become cat owners more than dog owners, and we tend to keep more than one cat at a time. So sometimes some areas are quite heavily populated with, with cats. So we would suggest it's about talking to your neighbours, finding out who owns what cat, and, and passing on the advice that we've given so that everybody's enriching their own garden and, and doing their best to keep their cats at home. Now, there are ways that people can enclose their gardens, and it doesn't have to be a major sort of engineering operation. Uh, it can be done quite simply, and there are some really simple containment systems uh, that can go around the top of a fence uh, to keep your own cat in and intruding cats out. What should someone like uh, Ken Power do who, who believes his cat has been murdered? Can he go to the police? Would the police listen to something like that? Yes. Um, as these instances are becoming more common, the police um, or the RSPCA um, will take it seriously and there have been prosecutions. Uh, and what kind of uh, penalties are imposed on, on someone found guilty of cat murdering? Uh, well, I, I guess it depends on the individual circumstance, but uh, it is taken seriously. If you've got a cat that's coming in your garden, back in back in uh, when I was a child in the seventies, my mum, when there was a cat we didn't want in the garden, would shoot it with a water pistol. Is is that is, is there anything that someone can do if they if they want to get a cat out of their garden? Well, water is still quite a good deterrent, um, and what we would suggest is that you you do it in, in a as kind a way as you can do it but you know a sort of short sharp shock from a distance um will help to make the cat think twice about coming back but there are other products that you can buy from garden centers um including pellets pelleted lion dung sorry Uh, sorry. what did you say (laughs) lion dung um cats work on scent and and they'll uh they'll they'll um sniff this out and think oh wow this is a big cat's territory i'll stay out you can actually go and buy lion poo from a a garden center and put it in your garden that is bonkers yes yes it does sound like a bit of a joke but but it's there in the in the garden so i I guess it must work yeah um so yes there are a few things that you can do even even planting if you plant prickly plants around the perimeter or the area where your cat is getting out or where the neighbor cat neighboring cat's coming in then that's quite a simple deterrent too so lovely to talk to you i'm glad we managed to track down your number in the end thank you very much sue parslow there editor of your cat magazine the magazine i've appeared in oh yes i've been in your cat magazine thank you very much myself and velvet have appeared in there uh, well, what do you think? Why do people hate cats? L- you can buy lion dung in garden centres? I'm tempted to get some of that stuff just to say I've got some lion dung. 
Why do you hate cats? You know, you, you know I'm a cat person more than dogs. Dogs I just don't get at all. Cats I think are wonderful companions. 08459 455555. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Main routes are still looking clear this morning. No delays yet on the A1 or the A1M. And the cameras on the M1 showing everything moving nicely as well. Roadworks in Flittick still ongoing. Dunstall Road, the A5120. It's electricity work at Vicarage Hill. It's going to be finished in the next couple of days, but you could still get caught up for now. Milton Keynes and the Fenny Stratford Bypass. This is part of the A5, of course. A lane closed for junction improvement works at the McDonald's Roundabout, where you meet Watling Street and the A4146. That was getting very slow yesterday. In Iver, Southlands Road, the A412. Temporary lights up for water main work near Seven Hills Road. Again, it'll be another few days on those works. If you're driving into London, things are looking okay at the minute on your route in through Enfield on the A10 and through Borehamwood on the A1. And trains and tubes are all running without delays. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. It's 6.30. You're listening to BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's get the latest news and sport now with Serena Farrow. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning with the headlines, I'm Serena. The Coronation Street actor Michael Lavelle says he wants his job back after he's found not guilty of sexually abusing a young girl. People against plans to close two libraries in Luton took their protest to a meeting of borough councillors last night. Petitions have now been collected to save both the Wigmore and Sundown Park. A Milton Keene man fears his street being stalked by a cat murderer. Ken Powers' foster cat Bo had to be put down after suffering from antifreeze poisoning. And the Transport Secretary wants to persuade us of the benefits of the planned HS2 rail line, which is set to go through Buckinghamshire. A new study suggests the link will drive growth in the regions. That's the news. Now let's move on to all the morning sport. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. So, Captain Stephen Gerrard says England are in a good position after ensuring their qualification for next year's World Cups in their own hands. Last night's goalless draw with Ukraine means Gerrard's side will book their place in Brazil. That's if they win their remaining two qualifiers against Montenegro and Poland next month. It was all about togetherness, you know, being difficult to beat and getting the right result. And yeah, of course, we'd love three points tonight, but we certainly keep Ukraine um, out of control in this group. And, um, you know, we, we are where we want to be going into the final two games. Games, uh, having to win the games, but we're confident we can do that. Moving on to cricket, and England play the third one-day international of the series against Australia today. They trail 1-0, having lost the second one-day at Old Trafford at the weekend. And Sheikh Mohammed, the world's biggest horse owner, is facing a new drugs controversy. It's after a haul of what's described as unauthorised veterinary medicinal products was discovered on his new market estate. The British Horse Racing Authority, which banned one of his trainers back in April for horse doping, says it's been assured there's no link between this case and racing. BBC Three Counties Radio, more from me at seven. Serena, what on earth was going on at the start of your bulletin? Yeah, I know, it was, putting, it was off-putting. I didn't know if you could hear that or not. Yes, we could hear that or not. Could. What was it? It's, just, it's, not, it's not me drumming some, you know, I don't know, making wind noises in the background or anything. You're always making wind noises in the background. We thought it was your ridiculous um, badger coat. It's not a ridiculous badger coat, Okay, it? we thought it was your badger coat. Look, we've already got a story about cats today. Yes. We don't want to upset badge lovers. Thank you very much. Call 08459 455 555. We don't. see Three Counties Radio. Morning, 
this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties uh, Radio. If you want to give me a call this morning, 08459 455 555. Coming up in the next 30 minutes, libraries. Libraries are always facing closure. I love libraries. I went to my local library just a few days ago. What books did I get out? I'll tell you in a second. That'll keep them listening. That'll keep them listening. I do love a good. Uh, I do love a good read. I also went to this library. They had a, a, an art exhibition upstairs um, of photos of John Lennon and the Rolling Stones filming the Rock and Roll Circus from 1968. I knew more about it than the woman showing a man around. There was a woman showing a man around. He went, so he was American. So who? What's there's a picture of? Um, well, I'm not quite sure really. I was thinking it's John Lennon. It's John Lennon with Eric Clapton from 1968. I don't know who they are. Silly sausage. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. How do we make libraries sexy? Oh, isn't it sexy? You don't get much sexier than this. A little bit of Crystal Gale singing about eyes. Wah. Don't know when I've been so blue. Don't know what come over you. You found someone And don't it make my brown eyes blue I'll be fine when you're gone I'll just cry all night long Say it is a What I had But honey now I Hanslope text. Is this a genuine text you want me to read out on the air? Regarding the Glen Campbell song we played earlier on, Good Riddance, the uh, Green Day song. They're a silly band, aren't they? Maffin Hanslope. Ian, great song. Spoilt a bit by the banjo and the lousy drum beat. Oh, Maff. Maff, you're banned from listening. There we go. I don't, I, don't, I don't mind. We're doing well enough in the listening figures. I can get rid of one or two. Maff's one of them. Maff's gone. Wait for him to switch over. Excellent. We can continue now. Sans math. Now, protesters against the closure of two libraries in Luton say they'll continue their fight to keep the premises open. The plans involve the end of the mobile library service, shutting the branches at Wigmore and Sundon Park, and some staffing reductions elsewhere in the town. Well, our reporter, Ewan Duncan, has been finding out why residents are unhappy. I just feel that Sundon Park is becoming a fast food outlet, and that's it. And the library is the last place that's trying to hold on to some kind of community spirit. And especially the library, because its its location is so good. It's so welcoming. 
for, for all the community. It's the heart of the community. Opponents of the closure plans attended a Luton Borough Council meeting to present their case to save their libraries. Sundon Park resident Claire Lee thinks the whole area will suffer if there isn't a change of heart. Our library personally shuts at six o'clock. It's only open part-time as it is. And yet they want to even take that away, the small little bit that we have. I mean, my boys will be devastated if the library goes. They enjoy the reading club. The protesters have been gathering support in their communities, with more than 11,000 signatures collected on a petition by Wigmore campaigners to protect the second biggest library in the town. Local resident Janice Jones explained why the issue matters to them. I want to keep our libraries open for the sake of our future, for a legacy for our children. It's so important and we've got to fight for this, definitely. It's very, very important. What knock-on problems could there be if everyone has to converge on the town centre library? It would cause no end of problems. Uh, There's not enough computers to go around for everyone to use. There would only be Stopsley Library open and the Luton Library and that would not be able to accommodate so many people doing their job searches, children doing their homework, classes mother and tots groups, the old people could not get down to use the facilities. Doreen Steenberg is also involved in trying to stop Wigmore Library closing and is puzzled why there isn't sufficient financial provision for such local facilities. Well, they say it's money, but what are they spending all our money on? What is more important than libraries and museums to a town? Nothing to culture, is it? They've got this cultural trust and... The chairman at the time, who pushed it through, wrote to me and he said it was the least worst solution to cuts in loot and culture for the next three years is to close Wigmore Library. She's struggling to understand why libraries aren't being given a higher priority. Libraries have to try and get in the same pot as things like festivals and, you know, all the big cultural events. And that's not right. A library should be part of the community. It shouldn't be some special thing that's once a year or once two years. The library protesters were joined at last night's Borough Council meeting by members of Luton People's Assembly. Mark Smith chairs the group and says residents are upset. Certainly the way that we've mobilised and around this campaign, it's united all sections of the community and you only have to mention the word libraries and people turn around, they want your leaflets, they want to be at an event like tonight. What's the key argument as far as you're concerned? Well, the key argument is li- libraries are absolutely central to the community in terms of developing it, in, in terms of providing cohesion, in providing a space for vulnerable people within the community and also developing all sorts of people, particularly young people. I mean, you've obviously got a whole generation of people whose horizons towards reading have been opened up by Harry Potter and stuff like that, and what's happening is the central government are closing down libraries. Luton Borough Councillors are to ask the library service provider, Luton Cultural Service Trust, to look at other funding options, such as sponsorship, before it finalises its plans to make savings of £650,000. The Trust's board set to meet on October the 23rd, with its decision expected to return before Borough Councillors in November. We'll hear more from... Uh, that was our reporter, Ewan Duncan, by the way. We'll hear from one of the protesters in about an hour's time. So, I went to the library last week. I saw um, a, a collection of photographs of uh, the Rolling Stones and John Lennon. And the two books I got out were the John Lennon letters, letters from John Lennon, but better than that, I got the Buzz Aldrin autobiography, The Second Man on the Moon. It's a fantastic read. Oh, it's superb. Because once you've been on the moon, what do you do? Well, if you're Buzz Aldrin, you become a, a manic depressive and a huge boozer. That's what he did. It's an incredible story. Massive alcoholic. Alcoholic, that's the term, isn't it? Not not boozer. Not big boozer. I believe the medical term is an alcoholic. 
Uh, what do we do to make libraries sexy? We need someone like um, Mary Portas to go in. Not Mary Portas, because she didn't really do a lot for the high streets. But we need someone like that. We need J- uh, Jamie Oliver. We need a me to go into libraries and make them sexy. Oh, I could do it. I could do it. Get some lights in there. Open up some windows. Bit of fresh air. There you go. First tip. I've got more ideas than that. 08459 455 555. Shall we give the uh, new Paul McCartney song another go? Maybe it's improved with a week's age. Ah. Don't look at me, it's way too soon to see what's gonna be. on me I think it's growing on me even this frog chorus bit at the end yes I'm going to say I like I'm going to say I like that now we'll try we'll try again next week shall we we'll keep going back and seeing how we get on with it this is Ian Lee BBC Three Counties Radio it's coming up to a quarter to seven let's get the travel news now with Adam Glynn Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
looking too bad out there so far this morning. Everything quite clear on the motorways. Sensors picking up some short delays as you come along the Luton Road into Harpenden, the A1081. Past the station really is where it tends to look slowest on the sensors. We're doing okay though on the A414 as you make your way past Hartford. Not busy yet. Through where the A10 is looking alright and then through Chesant down toward the M25. If you're joining the motorway there, roadwork section of course will get a little bit busy but it's not faring too badly at the minute looking at the cameras as traffic heads into the works it's actually moving quite nicely if you're going further into london along the a1 certainly a bit of a queue starting to build southbound through mill hill from the a41 at apex corner toward mill hill circus don't forget roadworks in great kings hill criers hill road is still closed off works at criers hill lane and in little chalfont the a404 has a set of temporary traffic lights for gas main work between loudham's road and nicholas close trains and tubes still looking good adam glynn bbc three counties radio thank you adam 6.46, it's Wednesday the 11th of September. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. The Coronation Street actor Michael Lavelle has been found not guilty of sexually abusing a young girl and now says he's looking to get his job back. A Milton Keynes man says there's a cat killer on the loose after his pet was poisoned with antifreeze. And in sport, England have qualified for next year's World Cup... Uh, sorry, have qualification for next year's World Cup in their own hands after last night's goalless draw with Ukraine. I have no idea what that sentence means. Literally no idea what that sentence means. Let me, let's try this again. England have qualification for next year's World Cup in their own hands after last night's goalless draw with Ukraine. Any Anyone? No. Coming up, we'll hear about the public consultation over the future of the children's services at Bedford Hospital. But before that, let's get the weather with Kate Kinsella. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. Well, there's a fair amount of cloud around this morning after a pretty blustery autumnal night. The good news is the northwesterly breeze is going to start to ease through the course of the morning and the cloud through the middle part of the day will break up and thin. We'll get some hazy sunshine. We may even see a sunny spell. So on the whole, it's going to feel a lot more pleasant than it did yesterday. Now, temperatures still not too warm, but we're looking at a maximum of around 16, maybe 17 Celsius. It's just going to feel a lot better than it did yesterday. Now, towards the latter part of the afternoon, or towards the western fringes, we're going to see the clouds start to thicken, and then gradually through the evening and overnight, a warm front moves through, which means the thicker clouds and also some outbreaks of rain as well. But behind it, some more humid air. So it's going to feel a little more muggy than it has done for the last few nights. Minimum temperature down to 11 or 12 Celsius, but it's bringing with it a bit of mist, a bit of murk. So it's a rather grey and misty start to to Thursday morning but the mist will eventually clear we'll get some brighter spells and it will feel warm tomorrow with that humid air coming from the west we're looking at a maximum of 18 celsius maybe a degree or two warmer depending on how long the sun comes out for tomorrow afternoon and that's your forecast Nick Coffer. On Friday I'm stepping back in time to the golden age of steam it's the Bedfordshire Steam and Country Fair at Old Warden Park near Biggleswade, and I'll be there from midday. Nick Coffer. I'm going to be having fun on an old fairground ride, trying my hand at falconry, bringing you live music and learning all about the beautiful vintage steam engines. Nick Coffer. Live from the Bedfordshire Steam and Country Fair at Old Warden Park, Friday from midday, here on BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Good morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, 08459 455 555. As I've said before, if we could um, uh, make um, a radio show or a podcast of all the stuff that gets said off air, boy oh boy, wouldn't that, wouldn't that be a good listen, Tony Fisher? It would be brilliant. It would be a cracking listen. Now, uh, people in Bedford will have a chance to have their say. It over would also be censored. It would be, it would be highly illegal. People in Bedford will have a chance to have their say over the future of children's services at the town's hospital when a consultation begins later this year. The Trust has faced severe criticism for closing some of its paediatric services after junior doctors were withdrawn because a shortage of senior staff to train them. Well, the hospital has apologised, but says they'll now look to advertise posts across both Milton Keynes and Bedford hospitals to make it more attractive. Uh, Tony Fisher has been looking into this. Tony, most of us are aware of the background, but just give us a, a brief little summary. Yes, well, it was July, Ian, when uh, junior doctor training was stopped at the hospital. Concerns were expressed back in April that the Trust had too few consultants for paediatric and maternity cover uh, while instructing medical trainees. The Trust said it would recruit staff, uh, but uh, the Health Education East of England stepped in, withdrew the trainees. Later on in July, uh, there was an incident with a consultant and a junior doctor. Uh, The consultant was suspended for failing to respond to an urgent call. Um, That then prompted a decision to remove medical trainees from paediatric services. Um, then the accident emergency services were suspended for children and people under the age of 19. Uh, children's planned surgery and overnight observation after any treatment were also suspended. And from the 1st of August this year, the Trust no longer provided overnight inpatient care on the Riverbank Ward planned medical procedures or care and children were basically looked after at other hospitals uh, you know including the L&D and Milton Keynes Hospital and then there was that uh, Care Quality Commission report which was very critical of Bedford Hospital and uh, showed up failings in eight of the nine essential standards inspected. Okay, so with with that rather uh, depressing backdrop, you attended a meeting at Bedford Borough Council last night. What happened? Well, uh, it was the scrutiny, what's called the scrutiny committee at Bedford Borough Council. They're there to quiz uh, the various representatives from the hospital, including the active chief executive, Stephen Conroy, and also an organisation called the Bedfordshire Clinical Commissioning Group, which is a fairly new organisation, basically responsible for buying the services for the hospitals they will oversee this consultation Uh, they have a budget of 430 million pounds their mandate is to improve services uh, and as i say it is the organization which will run this consultation into the future of the pediatric unit they will determine the future of the pediatric unit not the hospital Um, now at the meeting uh, concerns were raised um, this all stemmed from as i mentioned earlier a couple of incidents involving a senior consultant and a trainee doctor and that approach now to review all services was like using a sledgehammer to crack a nut. Uh, The analogy used in the meeting, there's been a leak in the roof instead of fixing the leak, we're not just replacing the whole roof, but knocking the house down and rebuilding it. Um, The Mayor of Bedford, Dave Hodgson, spoke at the meeting. The problem, as as I've said before, at the hospital is we had um, a problem with the the supervision of doctors and training. We heard today from Stephen Conroy of the hospital that it was ended up with one consultant not actually giving the correct support to doctors and training and because of that we're now going for a whole review about all the services in paediatrics we haven't got full A&E at the moment we haven't got inpatients uh, for paediatrics those are services can be brought if it's only brought about um, by this one problem then why aren't we fixing that problem so what does the clinical commissioning group say 
Well, they were asked, Ian, in the meeting about how realistic this consultation was because people always ask for everything. You know, why consult now when we don't know what the hospital will be able to provide? Uh, after all, it has a £3.6 million debt, although it has just been given £3.7 million by the government. Um, the, the Clinical Commissioning Group or representative said it was a chicken and egg situation, but they needed the consultation precisely because they wanted to determine what is realistic in the long term. Um, as I said, the CCCG has a mandate to improve services, and it says that is what it wants to do at Bedford. Uh, Dr Paul Hassan is from the uh, Bedfordshire Clinical Commissioning Group. The hospital has been unable to recruit sufficient numbers of paediatric consultants for at least the last two years, and I think this re- reflects on the fact that the paediatric service as was was not able to, to was not an attractive proposition to new newly qualified specialists and what we heard from patients the two ladies who were here this evening as patients was that they have seen services offered in a much more attractive way to them and their children at other hospitals since they've had to go to these other hospitals and they would like to see that service in Bedford. And that's what we would like as well. What's the timetable for this consultation, Tony Fisher? Right, Ian, it'll start in November, run to January. Recommendations will be made in March next year. And a website setting out the details of this consultation will appear appear on the Bedfordshire Clinical Commissioning Group website on the 23rd of this month. Tony, thank you very much. We'll be following that closely.
gracious me, I've only just managed to get Tony Fisher out of the studio. I had to ask Kelly Betts to fake a phone call for me. He spent the last four minutes telling me how he once stood next to the dark-haired girl from the Philadelphia Cheese adverts. It's not a story. It's not a story in the slightest. For goodness sakes. Oh, dearie, dearie me. Right. Oh, no, I don't want Ollie Moores. It's all gone to pot. Maybe we should as well. News for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Starting to get busier on the M25. It's looking quite slow into the roadworks section now. Junction 26 at Waltham Abbey through to 25 at Enfield. We've also had a call come in from Andrew in Hatfield. He said it's really stopped start further around anti-clockwise as you go past Junction 20 at Kings Langley. From Junction 21 at the M1 toward Junction 20 and then onwards round toward Heathrow. On that anti-clockwise side is looking slow in a fair few patches. But as Andrew got caught up near Junction 20, he said that they've put the... Uh, Matrix signs up at 40 miles an hour. There's not been an incident as far as we know around there, but it's definitely looking slow. A1 into London, Borehamwood, queues building up from the Holiday Inn Junction now toward Mill Hill Circus. Things looking pretty good, though, as you make your way around Watford. Exchange Road, the A411, maybe a little busy coming toward Beach and Grove. Trains and tubes doing okay, though. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Adam. So, should everyone accused of sex crimes remain anonymous until found guilty? We'll take your calls after the latest news and sport with Serena Farrow. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Seven o'clock, I'm Serena Farrow. The headlines, Coronation Street actor wants to return to the soap. People against libraries closure in Luton. And we're being convinced of the benefits of the HS2. BBC Three Counties Radio. Coronation Street actor Michael Lavelle's been found not guilty at Manchester Crown Court of sexually abusing a young girl. The actor, who's played mechanic Kevin Webster in the soap for 30 years, had denied 12 counts of rape, indecent assault and sexual activity with a child. Well, he now says he's looking to get his job back. Locally, protesters in Luton took their plight to borough councillors last night. Petitions have been collected against the plans to shut the libraries at both Wigmore and Sundon Park. Well, Doreen Steinberg, who lives in the area, just can't understand why keeping the buildings open isn't being given a priority. What are they spending the money on? What are we paying all these rates for? That's what I'd like to know. What do they think is more important than museums and libraries in a town? To culture, I can't understand why they think a library is so unimportant, when actually it's the hub of this community. Luton Borough Council's actually asking the Cultural Service Trust to look at other funding options such as sponsorship before it finalises its plans with the board set to meet in October. Now we're being convinced of the government fight back to persuade the public of the benefits of the proposed HS2 high-speed rail line, which is set to go through Buckinghamshire. A new study suggests the link, which will run between London and cities in the Midlands and Northern England, will drive growth in the regions. The report by the accountancy firm KPMG says the line will provide a £15 billion a year boost to the economy. Now, people can finally have their say on the future of children's services at Bedford Hospital. The Trust closed some of its paediatric services after junior doctors were withdrawn because of a shortage of staff to train them. Well, the hospital since apologised and a consultation will begin later this year. Dr Paul Hazen from the commissioning group will be responsible for determining the future of the unit. We absolutely intend 
to commission high quality improved services. That's one of my legal duties to ensure that we do that. In order to do that, we need to consult with the people who are going to use the service, the people who are going to provide the service. And that is the purpose of having this consultation. And a Milton Keynes man fears his street is being stalked by a cat murderer. Ken Powers' foster cat, Bo, had to be put down after suffering from antifreeze poisoning. And we'll be hearing more from him later on this hour with Ian Lee here on BBC Three Counties Radio. Finally, England drew nil-nil with Ukraine in their latest World Cup qualifier. Roy Hodgson's side are now just a point clear at the top of their group, which is H. They don't know victory in their final two Wembley qualifiers in October will then guarantee them automatically qualification. So weather should be mostly dry this morning, a little bit of rain later on. Temperatures 18 degrees Celsius. Get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. Good morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots coming up this morning. Although just, I have to say, I wore my thick coat today. For the first time since, I don't know, May. And it's good. It's good. I I do look like Bill Sykes. The Oliver Reed interpretation, I hope you're referring to. It was nice wearing a big... It's a little bit too big for me, this coat. It's a bit big on the shoulders. But, oh, it keeps me warm. Oh, it's lovely. Bring it on, dear listener. Lots coming up in the show this morning, including... Coronation Street star Michael Lavelle, a.k.a. Kevin Webster, has been found innocent of child rape charges. Well, two questions off the back of this. Should everyone accused of sex crimes remain anonymous until found guilty? Should he be allowed back on the street? Protesters against the closure of two libraries in Luton say they'll continue their fight to keep the premises open. How do we make libraries cool? And one Milton Keynes resident believes a cat murderer is on the loose. Why do some people hate cats so much? They're wonderful things. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Text 81333. Start your text 3CR. Or give me a call 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Should everyone accused of sex crimes remain anonymous until found guilty? Photographs of the Coronation Street actor Michael Lavelle appear on many of the front pages today after he was cleared of sexually abusing a young girl. Why was he ever charged? Asked the main headline in the Daily Mail, which says colleagues of the actor claim he was the victim of a celebrity witch hunt prompted by the Jimmy Savile scandal. The Times says the Crown Prosecution Service was forced to defend its pursuit of the actor. The paper believes the case is likely to reignite debate about the naming of suspects in sex abuse cases. Two questions for you at home, listening to this. First one is, uh, should all uh, people uh, accused, I say all men, but women are accused as well, should all people accused of sex crimes, rape and child abuse and what have you, remain anonymous until they're found guilty? There's an argument for both sides there. Uh, More people came forward in the uh, Stuart Hall case because it went public. But then you get people like uh, Michael Lavelle, whose life, has, if, if not ruined, has come pretty close to ruination. So, should people accused of sex crimes um, be uh, um, exposed in the press, or should they remain anonymous uh, until they're found guilty? 
And also, should uh, Michael Lavelle... I keep going to say Kevin Webster. I might just start saying it because it's easier. It's a shorthand. Should Michael Lavelle be allowed back on Coronation Street? 08459 455 555. Well, Justin Dealey has been out and about collecting your views. Morning, Justin. Yes, good morning. And some uh, very interesting views. It's such a fascinating talking point. Um, I spoke to Dave in Dunstable yesterday. Now, he knows somebody whose life has been ruined by a false accusation. Just take a quick listen to this. I know people it's happened to and they've had to move just because they got accused of a sexual crime. The girl that done it was drunk and ended up putting claims for them and he had to move. In the end, he was proved innocent? Yes. So despite being proved innocent, that has ruined his life. Yeah. You're making a point there. You don't have to be famous to be in that situation. That's it. You don't. Anybody. It could happen to me, you, anyone. You are innocent and you are proved guilty. And this, and this guy, he was tried by news. He was tried and found guilty by the news well before he ever got to court. Uh, Justin, very interesting. It, it, it can happen to anyone. Of course it can. And uh, that person living down his road had to move because people, again, stereotyped him straight away. They're thinking, he's been accused of a sex crime. He must be a bad person. He must be guilty. Well, he had to go through the courts to prove that. But, of course, that was too late. By that point, it had to move because people already had these ideas in their heads. People, people, do, you know, people do say, no smoke without fire. Absolutely. Mud sticks, Webster. People say these things. And, uh, and however... In the, you know, obviously Michael Lavelle is completely innocent. Mm. There will still be people going, well, I know. well. I know. And, you know th- th- this has been going on for such a long time now. Can he really get his career back on mm. track? Whether he wants to go back on the soap again, another issue. So that was me yesterday in Dunstable, just after the, the, the uh, decision was announced. I've yep. been in Luton this morning. been asking people, should all people accused of sex crimes have the right to anonymity? And here's what people had to say. I certainly do, yes. I think it's important that everyone's anonymity is is met uh, until proven guilty because what, what you get is uh, guilt by by the press reader so it, it must have been a very stressful time for him and his family because it's not just about stars anybody can make an accusation against you against me and people start talking don't they absolutely and uh, what we have now with twitter and facebook it's it, it, it's and uh, the whole thing just sort of seems to expand I think absolutely. I know some of them turn out to be guilty, but that is down to the law to sort out. So I'm pleased he's been found innocent, to be honest, and uh, but good to see him back on Corrie. <laughs> so you would welcome him back on the programme then? Absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. I spoke to somebody yesterday who said to me, well, with the adultery claims, with the alcoholism claims, that it's not right for him to go back onto a family soap, but as a fan of the show, you'd be quite happy to see him back on there? Uh, yes, I would, yeah. Uh, you know, everybody has uh, skeletons in their cupboard. It's just, um, you know, he's been found innocent and uh, as far as the law is concerned and uh, the other things are, are down to him, really. So, yeah. Yes. Um, because if, it is, if they are innocent and in this country you're innocent until proven guilty, then we're already, we're already damning them and he's been damned in the story, I'm sorry to say. Interesting uh, pieces there. There's an interesting comment on Facebook. Oh, yeah. Justin, I'm going to read out here. Drake says, does releasing names not encourage people to come forward who might also have suffered? Interesting point. Yeah. Then goes on to say something that is completely and utterly wrong. Being found, gui- uh, being found not guilty means there was insufficient evidence to prove guilt. Not that you are definitely innocent. Well, no, 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 no. Drake. In the court of law, 
it means you are innocent. You've been found not guilty. You are therefore innocent. doesn't mean there's a lack of evidence. It means you are innocent in the eyes of the law. That's the problem you're talking about. And here with Michael Lavelle, if he's going to try and get his career back on track, if he's going to go back on the soap, there'll still be people out there saying, oh, I'm not sure. Uh, Here we have a man who has has been to hell and back, and he has now come out and he's proved his innocence. But there will still be people out there who doubt him. And that is wrong. Justin, thank you very much indeed. Well, I'm joined now by Stephen Cooper, the founder of falsely-accused.co.uk. UK um, uh, joins me now. Good morning, Stephen. Good morning. Again. How are you? Yeah, I'm fine, thank you, Stephen. You is it? Am I right in thinking you started this website because you were falsely accused of sex crimes? Yes, I was. Yes. Can, can I ask? You know, with obviously bearing in mind we have young ears listening, what, what was your story? What happened? Uh, it was a case of a mistaken identity back in the eighties. Um, so I was identified wrongly. And, and this was to do with, with uh, a rape, was it? Yes, it was, yeah. Now, you say on your website, false sexual accusations destroy lives on a very deep level. Well, how did it affect your life? Uh, well, obviously, it caused me to set up falsely accused. Um, but uh, it's a stigma, as um, one of your reporters was saying earlier, that it never goes away. Um, it's, uh, it is a stigma, a stigma offence, and it's one of these offences where... Well, as one of someone just said on Facebook, you know, was there enough evidence to prove the case? Um, that's the purpose of having a, a court of law and a jury uh, to prove that either you're guilty or you're innocent. Pictures on the front page of lots of newspapers of uh, Michael Lavelle with his thumbs up um, holding a pint of beer. Now, at the surface, it looks like a happy man having a drink. What I see is an alcoholic who's, uh, in, who's had a, a, an awful two years and inside is relieved but still dying inside. Well, he will never, ever walk away from this. The stigma will always um, stay with him. I mean, the minute you turn on Corrie, people will say, oh, there's that paedophile, there's that child rapist. Um, That's just narrow-minded people because, as I stress quite clearly, at at the cornerstone of our legal system is a jury. The jury heard the evidence, what was put before them. The Crown, rightly so, took this case to to trial. Uh, Twelve people, uh, uh, twelve peers, listened to the evidence, and uh, as it's been reported widely, that it was so unbelievable, uh, the jury took the right decision to find Michael not guilty. Should people who are accused of uh, sex crimes like this remain anonymous until they're found guilty? Well, since 1988, the law had, has changed. Um, prior to 1988, it was both parties. Um, you see, this goes back to more than the right to anonymity. The police say when they arrest a suspect, the victim said the victim is not a victim until it's proven in a court of law. It should be an equal system. Um, and being accused of any sexual offence, whether it's rape or, or, or sexual assault, where the allegation is false, obviously is very serious. And it is for a jury to decide that. That is why we have jury systems. So uh, we take the stance of falsely accused that everyone ha- has the right to anonymity. One of the, um, uh, the arguments against that, of course, is uh, Stuart Hall. Now, because Stuart Hall was named as um, uh, it, it, being a sex offender or b- before he was um, found guilty... More people came forward. 
Yes, but you see, the problem is, is that it, you can take Stuart Hall, you can take Jimmy Savile, but the actual main reason why the right to anonymity is not afforded to the defendant is it, it dates back to 1977 when uh, there was a chap called Terence Harris who was uh, falsely accused, and he um, basically um, didn't turn up for his bow to return, and they took the decision to publicise his name. Um, so it stems from that. Yes, you are right with regards to Stuart Hall, but if you look at the uh, Jimmy Savile situation, there were six or seven accusers prior to it being publicised, then all of a sudden, uh, loads of people came out of the woodwork because they were told quite clearly from the Criminal Injuries Compensation Board that they would get compensation, so it's a bigger picture. Well, I'm not sure everyone in the Jimmy Savile case came forward because they were seeking compensation. I'm sure there were, there were many who felt they were... Oh, yes, yes. There were many who felt they were wronged and wanted justice. Yes, but the, the argument that I have there, and I, I have been criticised for saying what I'm about to say, is I'm a, a Jimmy Savile, although people have suggested that this has happened, I'm afraid he wasn't there to defend himself. He didn't face a jury, whereas... Um, Michael from Coronation Street did, and the decision was 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 the right decision. Uh, please please understand this to your listeners that falsely accused does not condone anyone who sexually abused anyone of any any age or, or era. Uh, uh, you know, if if the crime has been committed and a jury finds the person guilty, rightly so, they should go to prison. But until that point, anonymity should stand on both parties. Should this girl who falsely accused Michael Lavelle be named? Uh, no, she shouldn't be named um, because that will stop uh, true victims of crime coming forward. However, if she has perjured herself and it's proved to per that she has perjured herself, she should suffer the consequences. Uh, if she knowingly lied about the allegations, as I wasn't, I wasn't in court, so I can't make any comments. I can only say what I've read. Uh, but according to Michael's defence team, the allegations were so unbelievable, uh, the jury found him not guilty. Stephen, I appreciate your time this morning. Stephen Cooper, founder of falselyaccused.co.uk. Well, you've, you've heard what Stephen had to say. It's your turn to put your point across. Should... There's so many questions about this. I just find this absolutely fascinating. I'm sure that gives Mr Lavelle no con uh, consolation whatsoever, but... Should people who are accused of sex crimes remain anonymous until found guilty? Should uh, Michael Lavelle be allowed back on Coronation Street? And should the girl who falsely accused Mr Lavelle be named? She's kept her anonymity. She will keep her anonymity because she's 17 years old. But should she be named? 08459 455 555. You're listening to BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's get the travel news now with Adam. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Delays building on the M1 southbound. It's slow from Junction 11 at the A505 toward 10 at Luton Airport and the Spur Road. M25 anti-clockwise busy into the roadworks Waltham Abbey to Enfield. Also very slow from the M1 round toward Kings Langley. Andrew called us about that one a bit earlier. As you continue anti-clockwise off toward Heathrow, there are some delays as well. Maple Cross to the M40 is where it's looking slowest on the cameras. And if you're driving into London through Boreham Wood, the A1 southbound is queuing from Holiday Injunction down to Mill Hill Circus. On the trains and tubes this morning, no major problems or delays have been reported. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much. Right, 7.17, it's Wednesday the 11th of September. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. 
The actor Michael Lavelle says he wants to return to Coronation Street after he was found not guilty of sexually abusing a young girl. People say they desperately need to keep their libraries open in Luton in order to keep their communities alive. And in sport, after last night's draw with Ukraine, England now needs two more victories to qualify for the World Cup. Coming up, there are concerns that cats are deliberately being killed in Milton Keynes. Why do people hate cats so much? 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Alive with music on the BBC. The sound of horror. The sound of drama. The sound of glory. A new season of programmes on TV, radio and online celebrates the sound of cinema. Starting tomorrow night at nine. On BBC Four. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number. If you want to give me a call, you can go to facebook.com forward slash BBC Three CR. Let's have a quick look, shall we, at some of these uh, the, the Facebook comments about Michael uh, Lavelle. Um, should people remain anonymous until found guilty? That's a great idea, says Ben. Whatever happened to innocent until proven guilty? Despite getting a not guilty verdict, this will always follow him around. And he says, yes, they should. They can then follow due process without the media circus. Laser says, there must have been some evidence for this to have gone to court. And Drake says, again, I'll read this out. Being found not guilty means there was insufficient evidence to prove guilt. Not that you are definitely innocent. I'm sorry, Drake, he is, he is innocent. He is innocent in the eyes of the law. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. Why do some people hate cats? I don't get it. I'm a cat person. Oh, they're the be- they're the best animal. Certainly better than rabbits, and definitely better than dogs. I always think if you own a dog, there's something lacking in your life. You're missing something as a human being. Well, a Milton Keynes man says he is worried that his pet cat may have died after having been maliciously fed antifreeze. Ken Power believes Bo had been fed chicken coated in the substance and claims other cats in the road have died of the same thing or have gone missing. Well, our Milton Keynes reporter, Craig Lewis, spoke to Ken. We have this little alleyway that runs down the side of the house and there's a little sort of um, a cat shelter in there. But what I did is I just looked in there on the off chance and I could see this silhouette of bow. I stuck my hand in to stroke him, you know, and he didn't wake up. Uh, we got a call from the vet who told us that um, he suspected that bow had been poisoned with um, antifreeze. So what, what made you think that this was a deliberate act? I wish, you know, if the best case scenario for us would be if it was a tragic accident and somebody had been doing some car stuff, they'd been draining the radiator, they'd been filming with antifreeze. Um, and that would have been the best scenario, that was just an accident. Um, we've spoken to neighbours and nobody was doing anything like that. Um, plus that Thursday was probably the hottest day of the year and I don't think anybody would even thinking about antifreeze. Um, plus we found out on the... On the Saturday, um, that another cat at the opposite end of our street was poisoned as well. Also, a neighbour almost facing where he lives 
has two cats missing. Um, so, unfortunately, I think it, it's somebody who's doing this deliberately. Well, Julia Bonnes is a vet from Barton Le Clay in Bedfordshire. Morning, Julia. Morning. Do you see many instances of, of cats being poisoned like this? Um, well, fortunately, not very often, and usually more, as the as the gentleman said, more in the winter time when people are messing about with their cars in their garages and so on. There are some people I've met them, and I don't ever understand it, who absolutely hate cats. Why is that? Well, I mean, uh, each to their own. Um, I'm a dog lover, so I've obviously got something oh. missing. In oh my dear, life Julia, too. I've gone right <laughs> off you. <laughs> Um, but I think, you know, a lot of people don't like cats that come into their beautifully tended gardens and use them as a toilet, quite frankly. But in the great scheme of things, Julia, it's only, I mean, cats poo, uh, it's, it's only a tiny little thing, and they normally, they, they're quite good at burying it away, aren't they? Yes, I know, but it's still not very pleasant, and I think that, you know, there is a health issue there, because cats can carry roundworms, which are, um, contagious to children, so... They go in, in the kiddies' sand pits, and I can quite understand why people don't like that happening. What should people do to, to, to keep cats out of their garden? Is there, we heard earlier on that, that you can buy uh, lion dung from garden centres. Yeah, there's plenty of, plenty of repellents that you can get. And there's, there are even plants that you can put in your garden which repel cats, give off a smell that repel them. And there are crystals and, and all sorts of different products. The other thing that you can do if you have a cat that is a regular visitor is um, load up a washing up liquid bottle with some water and actually spray the cat with water. Yes. And they hate that. that It doesn't cause them any distress, but they just don't like it and they tend not to come back. What's going on in the background? Uh, feeding my dogs. <laughs> oh my goodness! So the, it's uh, what? What is it? Uh, it's their, their name tags against their feeding bowls. Oh, it, it sounds huge. <laughs> the thing about having a dog running around the house is their tails are wagging everywhere, and they knock things over, and they jump up at people, and they grab people's legs. Cats, cats, they just wander around on their own. They're kind of cool. If they want to cuddle, they'll come and give you a cuddle. If they want to go out for a walk, they'll go out for a walk. They're completely uh, self-sufficient. No, I don't think this is the argument we should be having this morning, is it? <laughs> well, Julia, Julia. Uh, listen, we'll leave it there. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, Julia Bonnes uh, is a vet from Barton Le Clay in Bedfordshire. What do you think? Why do people hate cats? 08459 555 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. So, Michael Lavelle has been found uh, innocent of, um, well, he's accused of uh, raping a young child. He's been found completely innocent. We're asking this morning, should people accused of crimes, sex crimes, um, remain anonymous until they are found guilty? Akbar's on the line. Good morning, Akbar. Uh, Good morning, Ian. Akbar, what's your take on this? Well, my take on this is that people who are accused of uh, sexual crimes should remain anonymous till a court makes a decision uh, for the reason that these are very serious allegations and they destroy um, people in uh, not only in, 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 in for, uh, for themselves but their communities and for their friends and uh, it, it, it destroys the person uh, and uh, the recovery becomes an uphill task for that person to deal with and uh, here I would say Michael Lavelle yes he has been cleared by this 
same time, I think it, he will find it very, very difficult uh, emotionally uh, to, to, to sort of go back to his uh, normal position. Do you think he should um, go back onto Coronation Street? Should he be allowed? Um, yes, he should be. He should be, as he has been found uh, not guilty. Ian. But uh, uh, I would, uh, I would uh, very strongly argue that uh, um, these people, people who are accused of sexual crimes, should remain anonymous till court makes a decision because these are very serious crimes and they destroy people, families, communities, friendships, and God knows what else. The thing is, Akbar, we, the, the Stuart Hall case is the example that everyone comes up with that if he hadn't have been named in the press then the, the, lots of the, his victims wouldn't have felt confident enough to come forward um, that, that could, uh, could be said to be an exception and um, uh, there will always be exceptions here and then but in a majority people uh, are you know regularly um, accused of these offenses and then they uh, they are named and uh, they are chased by media and everybody else and uh, dragged through the courts and uh, uh, I mean it, it becomes an, a very difficult and very big job for them to sort of get back into a normal mode of life. Akbar, we, we have to end it there. Thank you very much indeed. 08459 455 555. Is there anybody out there who thinks that Kevin Webster should not walk the cobbles again? That Michael Lavelle shouldn't be allowed back? onto Coronation Street. 08459 455 555. This is funny, isn't it, how we, we jump from one thing to another. Brian in High Wycombe has called in about cats. Morning, Brian. Yes, good morning. Good morning, Brian. Why do people hate cats? Well, it's not cats that I hate. It's there are too many of them, and their oh. owners just let them roam. Now, my next-door neighbour's got a cat. Yes. But that's been trained to stay at its own garden. It looks at me over the fence. Very nice. But, um... Other people's cats. There's one walking down the road at the moment. Shoot <laughs> it. And um, yes, they just let them roam all over the place. I how do you? Do, how does your? How did your neighbour train a cat to stay in its own garden? That is a mystery to me. Yes, because <laughs> I've got a cat, and my cat roams everywhere. And good luck to her. They say cats are territorial, and they each have their own territory. So perhaps other cats have. <laughs> sort of stake their own claim on my garden. But why do you hate cats coming into your garden? If my, if my little velvet <laughs> clambered into your garden, it, it would be a wonderful sight to behold. Two reasons. Go on. Uh, as has been said, they do tend to bury it. And, well, one yeah. has taken to do it in the window trough oh. in front of the house. Oh, no, you don't want to look out of your window to look <laughs> at your... Uh... It actually pulls the, your, the pedagonians out. It pulls the pedagonians out? Yeah. And d- does poops? Because it's nice soil, isn't it? Yeah, good soil. It tends to be dry on that trough because it's uh, slightly sheltered, so it's drier. But, 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 I don't know if you've ever seen a litter tray, Brian. I wouldn't want to do a poo in a litter tray. I'm sure you wouldn't either. (laughs) I'd much rather go in some nice soil. Yes, so as I say, I'm nothing against the cats. Uh, They look at me and they run out of the garden because... I chase them off. Oh, I see. I was going to say, it's not, it's not, look, do you, I do you... not harm them. No. But, uh, I just let them know they're not wanted, but... Well, I uh, think that's fair enough. That's, that's acceptable, chasing a cat off your guard. But what's your message to people like me and other cat owners who allow our cats to roam? Well, keep them in at night, really. My poor Velvet likes to go out at night, Brian. Oh, dear. She likes to go yeah. out and go mousing and... Uh, just do... a great one, dear, I always keep you talking too long, but, uh, I saw a cat chase a woodcock, and Sorry? it got 
a woodcock, a bird in the garden. Oh, thank goodness, yes. And it actually... So it was a sculpture. ...managed to get under the netting of my fruit cage, but it didn't go far enough. It had been clawed. Yes. And was in distress, so I took it to the vet. The, the woodcock? The woodcock. I yes. Took, I put it in a cardboard box into straw and put it, took it to the vet. Yes. What did the vet, the vet do? The RSPCA will pay for this. So, oh. Um, I would have paid, but... Uh, they phoned me back with it later and said, oh, I thought you'd like to know, we gave it <laughs> antibiotics, but it's now what? flown happily away. Well, there you go, you see, Brian. It's ended with a happy story. Brian's uh, woodcock there was given antibiotics and it lived happily ever after. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. We're not doing too badly this morning on the roads. Everything moving reasonably well on the M25. You've got the usual patches of traffic starting to build up. It's getting slow into the roadworks as you go past Chesant. Some delays actually starting to build on the A10, looking at the speed sensors through Chesant, coming down toward the M25 as well. Then past Potter's Bar again through the works. It's slow. You'll find it busy as you go past Kings Langley at Junction 20 and down toward the M40. There's a patch of slow-moving traffic as well. If you're heading into London along the M40 and the A40, that looking quite slow past Uxbridge. The M1 southbound this morning, a wee bit busy as you make your way past Junction 11 at the A505. Looking quite slow on the A1, mainly through Boreham Wood. So again, it's on the approach into London from Holiday Inn Junction toward Mill Hill Circus. Further back up the A1 at the Black Cat Roundabout, some traffic starting to build there as well. Trains and tubes, though, they're doing pretty well. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. I'm Serena Farrow. The actor Michael Lavelle says he wants to return to Coronation Street after he was found not guilty of sexually abusing a young girl. More locally, people say they desperately need to keep their libraries open in Luton in order to keep their communities alive. Meanwhile, people will have a chance to have their say over the future of children's services at Bedford Hospital. There's going to be a consultation later on this year. And the Transport Secretary wants to persuade us the benefits of the planned HS2 rail line through Buckinghamshire. Apparently, a new study suggests the link will drive growth in all regions. That's the news. Now let's move to the morning sport. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, after their goalless draw against Ukraine, the England manager Roy Hodgson says he's confident his side will now go on and qualify for the World Cup. England are just a point clear at the top of their Group H, and Hodgson knows victories in their final two matches next month will guarantee their place in Brazil. We've got two home matches. We've shown, I think, recently, we showed it against Brazil, we showed it against Scotland, we showed it against Moldova. With the backing of a Wembley crowd, you know, we're a pretty hard team to beat as well. And furthermore, next time, I'm expecting that the seven players who were missing this time, at least five or six of them, will be back in the fold and uh, that will be important for... Also last night, Watford's I.K. Chianya was part of the Scotland squad where they beat Macedonia 2-1. M.K. Don's defender Lee Hodson was with Northern Ireland who lost 3-2 in Luxembourg. The Wales manager Chris Coleman says he intends to sign a new contract with the FA of Wales. That's despite his side losing their latest World Cup qualifier 3-0 to Serbia. And the Football Association of Ireland says they'll discuss recent results after the Republic of Ireland lost 1-0 to Austria. Moving away from football, England's cricketers played the third one-day international of the series. That's against Australia. They trail 1-0, having lost the second one-day at the weekend. And BBC Three Counties Radio, more from me at eight. What happened there? 
and and just oh yeah. You got um, you got a little bit sing songy and, and <laughs> see. Lovely. Uh-oh. Do you want me to explain about the football, by the way? No. Because I forget no. you. You're about your football's about as good as a mathematician's that is in English, isn't it? Really. Okay. Right. So let's see. So they're at the top. For, for those for those who don't know, this is the sentence I was forced to read 45 minutes ago. Okay. Sport. England have qualification for next year's World Cup in their own hands after last night's goal is yeah. draw with Ukraine. That means, can I tell you what that means? Literally nothing. Nothing. But, but in their own hands is an expression. No, it's not. Essentially, they're at the top, right? right? Yes. So no one will overtake them. I haven't so got the power to cut her off. That's essentially, the problem. that the, the, it's theirs. Qualification is I'll theirs. I'll do this. But <laughs> call oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. BBC Three Counties Radio. The sentence makes literally makes no sense. The thing I don't get, I don't get sports at all. You know, the thing I don't get about sports writers and, and sports journalists is they try and make it sound like poetry. Just give us the numbers. Who scored what? Who won? That's all we need. The atmosphere was like a marvellous midday morning as the teams roared onto the... Just tell us who won. Now, US uh, plans for... Oh, I need to press a couple of these, don't I? Yes. US plans for a military strike in Syria are now officially on hold this morning while a diplomatic solution proposed by Russia is being looked at. President Obama delivered the news a few hours ago as he delivered his much-anticipated televised address to the nation. I've spoken to the leaders of two of our closest allies, France and the United Kingdom, and we will work together in consultation with Russia and China to put forward a resolution at the UN Security Council requiring Assad to give up his chemical weapons and to ultimately destroy them under international control. The president spent much of his address talking about the case for military intervention as a plan B, but only if the proposal for Syria to hand over its chemical weapons falls through. It's too early to tell whether this offer will succeed, and any agreement must verify that the Assad regime keeps its commitments. But this initiative has the potential to remove the threat of chemical weapons without the use of force, particularly because Russia is one of Assad's strongest allies. I have therefore asked the leaders of Congress to postpone a vote to authorize the use of force while we pursue this diplomatic path. Well, we can join uh, our man in Washington, Gavin Lee, who's following events for us there. Gavin, it was a message that was seen as a hugely significant moment a few days ago, President Obama's rallying cry, but events of the past day or so seemed to render it much less important, didn't they? Yeah, I think that speaks to the speed, the dizzying speed, really, is for want of a better word, of the diplomacy, the Russians leading the diplomacy, um, you know, getting the Syrians to agree to this plan to, to hand over chemical weapons, which would avert this attack by the US. And it must have been a headache. It must have been a really difficult moment for the scriptwriters for Obama to come up with a message. And it showed because it was 15 minutes of him talking. It lacked the pizzazz. It last, lacked the soaring phrase that he often uses in speeches. It was a very careful speech. And he, he was full of rhetoric about urging what he's call a a reluctant US public that military strikes are the right way forward. He said the public should watch the footage of August the 21st of those killed in the chemical weapons attack and that there would be a missile strike if it came to it and it would send President Assad a message like no other nation on earth could send. Then the book came, not now, he said. First the diplomatic efforts would be looked at. I watched it all in a bar, Ian, very close to the White House. A lot of people watched it with me. Uh, Americans in there saying that they didn't want military intervention. One person put it really well. He said it's, what, it's like watching a speech to a public who don't want to go to war by a president who looks relieved that he's not having to go to war. Focus, obviously, now on this big uh, diplomatic plan. Uh, all eyes are on uh, uh, Geneva tomorrow, aren't they? 
They are, as of about a few hours ago, because the Russians only set up this meeting. They cancelled the meeting at the UN last night because they don't agree with the French approach to this. The French have set up and invoked Chapter 7 of the UN uh, chat article, which um, tries to throw up a resolution, meaning that there'll be military force if the Syrians don't keep to their promise. The Russians say that's not acceptable. He, the Sergei Lavrov, the foreign minister, will meet with John Kerry in Geneva. This is the home where it was agreed in 1925 that chemical weapons should be banned. Uh, I think if they can't agree anything there, this diplomacy, this breakthrough that seems to have happened is very unlikely in the next few days. Uh, Gavin, we'll end it there. Thank you very much indeed. Bit of a, a, a delay there. We, we don't normally get delays anymore in, in this day and age, do you? Gavin, thank you very much indeed. 08459 455 555. Should we have a look at the front pages of the newspapers? Yes. Let's do it. The Daily Telegraph, there's a bizarre picture. The Prince of Wales chatting to Penny Lancaster. I've been in the um, business class lounge at LAX Airport with Penny Lancaster. It's not a very nice lounge, if I'm completely honest, and I wasn't paying. And Fergie from the Black Eyed Peas was there, and she was obnoxious. Uh, the Prince of Wales chats. Yes, she was. Prince of which we, the plane was delayed. Okay, it was a it was um, a flight from where were we? Oh, Los Angeles, of course, back to London. I was travelling. Is it business class or first class? Which is the best one? Which is the one when you press a button and a lady comes and you says, "Business is it?" You say, can, "Can you turn my chair into a bed?" Yes, sir. They turn the chair into a bed. Who else was on there? Denise Van Outen as well. Oh, I was travelling with the stars. Anyway, the plane was delayed for an hour because Fergie or a member of her team. I think it was Fergie. That's the pop singer from the Black Eyed Peas, by the way, not um, the Princess uh, Duchess. Fergie was drunk, <clears throat> or a member of her team. Entourage, I believe they call it, was drunk, and so he got booted off the plane. Anyway, irrelevant to this, the Prince of Wales chatting to Penny Lancaster at the opening of the Prince's Trust store in London yesterday. What's interesting about this is exactly, she is, I'm going to say, six, seven inches taller, f- five or six or seven, or f- several inches taller than Prince Charles. She's a big lady, isn't she? And I like that. I respect that. Because normally you see all these skinny waifs. She is a shapely lady. Good for her. Big arms is what I'm trying to say. Uh, she's much taller than the Prince Charles. So imagine how much taller she must be than um, the gentleman, the, the pop singer, Rod Stewart. No. Daily Telegraph. <laughs> no. Well, okay, yes. Are there? We won't. I, I bet we won't find any. Are there any women out there taller than their husbands? No, there can't be. Not in beds, hearts, and bucks. There cannot be. Listening to this in the three counties now, a woman, a wife, or indeed girlfriend, taller than their boyfriend or husband. I hate the word partner. I hate the word partner. It's just a silly word. Boyfriend or husband. Is there? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. I'm six foot three. I used to be six foot four, and when I was six foot four, I, I'm shrinking. There's nothing wrong about that. When I was six foot four, I went out with uh, a girl uh, who was um, taller than me. That was weird. It was weird, and it was very uncomfortable. It was like hugging a bloke. It was like hugging a bloke. Very unpleasant. Is there? We won't have time for that now. Is there anybody? Uh, whose girlfriend or wife is taller than their husband. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to uh, give us a call on that. Um, Let's do uh, a couple more of these. The Guardian. Axe bedroom tax, says UN investigator. Exclusive shocking policy is eroding human rights, warns uh, housing expert. The United Nations... The United Nations have got involved on this? Really? Really? 
the United Nations Special Investigator on Housing, has told the British government it should scrap the bedroom tax after hearing shocking accounts of how the policy was affecting vulnerable citizens in the UK. And look, here's another gentleman accused. Evans quits as Deputy Speaker after sex charges. Nigel Evans last night resigned as a House of Commons Deputy Speaker after the Director of Public Prosecutions announced the Conservative MP will be charged with sex offences. Would be charged! Well, there you go, you see. But just should, uh, another case for anonymity, do you think? 08459 455 555. We'll do the rest of the papers in a bit. Protesters against the closure of two libraries in Luton said they'll continue to fight to keep their premises open. The plans involve the end of the mobile library service, shutting the branches at Wigmore and Sundon Park, and some staffing reductions elsewhere in the town. Luton Borough Council is to ask the library service provider, Luton Cultural Service, to look at other funding options such as sponsorship before finalising its plans next month. We can speak to Doreen Steinberg from Wigmore. Morning, Doreen. Morning, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Why did you decide to get involved with protesting against the closure of Wigmore Library? Well, I think it's such a disgrace. It covers 172,000 residents and they want to close it. And there is no viable alternative because Stopsley is a tiny place, there's no parking. Otherwise, people would have to pay £3 to go to town and walk the length of a high street. But they won't leave, use the library. How many people use Wigmore Library? I think about 5,000 on a regular basis. A week? I don't know the exact numbers, but it's the second most used in Luton. OK. And how vital a, a, a role does the library play in the community? It's a fundamental thing. It's a central hub. You know, people use it. It's not just people who read. They have the computer, so people do job searches on it. Unemployed people, they need it. People just use it for you know, getting information generally. Apart from just reading, they have children's groups. They have all sorts of things there, and it's just terrible that they're going to close it. I went to my local library. I'm a big fan of libraries. I love them. You can get books for free. That's what people forget. That's the, but, but they are a little bit dated, aren't they, Doreen? They, they need to do something to make themselves a bit more attractive, don't they? Well, I personally don't think so. I think a library is there. You go there to read. There's just a thing on, radio, on television this morning saying children who read for pleasure do better at all sorts of things, even maths. That it does, they do better than if their parents have a degree. So reading is very important. Of course it is, but but if if you look at libraries, they're kind of old. They're a little bit stuffy, and uh, you, you're not going to attract. Yes, uh, older people might go, like yourself and myself. No, but uh, there's full of little children as well. Ch- right? we are, ch- children go, yes, of course, because their parents, who are my age, take their children. Mm-hmm. But people, teens and people in their twenties, don't well, seem they to go. Use the computers to do job searches and things like that, even if they don't go to buy books. Well, they have, they have, they can do it on their telephones, though, can't they? The the the, the, the younger people. Well. You say that, but if you're unemployed, you can't afford expensive. Well, well, I'm not sure. I've, I've, uh, you know, uh, telephone uh, things, some of these very fancy phones. I mean, they can't all afford that, and they can't all afford internet. There are lots of people, little children can't afford all these things. And they go there to do their homework. Do you think this is, Dorian, do you think this is part of the problem? Because I genuinely think that that, that libraries are, uh, I think they're a wonderful resource and I think they're a gift to humankind, but I do think they're very dated. Do you think that this is part of the problem, why why, why libraries are losing trade, in inverted commas, because people are a bit stuck in their ways and and don't want to to, to change and, and move with the times a little bit? Well, I don't think so. I don't think anything needs dumbing down. I mean, when I was a child... I'm not saying... I'm not, I've not used the phrase dumbing down. I'm, 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 I'm expanding them so they are more accessible to people who perhaps find them a little old-fashioned. Well, what sort of things would you do? Well, I don't know. It's a good point. But I, 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 don't, I don't think dumbing down is, is, is the way... I just think that, that some people, uh, and dare I say it, perhaps yourself, Doreen, we're, we're such a little bit stuck in our ways that we're not open to, to, uh, to new suggestions. And libraries don't get 20-year-olds. They don't get 25-year-olds going in there. 
Well, I don't know. I just, I just know how many people use that library. It, all the parkings there. You know, they're not going to go to a library if they have to go to the town. No. OK, Doreen, we're, we're, I feel we're going around in circles a little bit, but thank you very much indeed. Is that part of the problem? Doreen, they're very passionate about libraries, and rightfully so. But uh, the, the, the suggestion that maybe we need to do something to modernise them a little bit. I'm not saying having fu- uh, funky lights and glitter balls, but the suggestion that we do something perhaps a little bit different to try and encourage more people into them is met with a woman. Well, no, 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 we don't need to change anything at all. No, 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 it's absolutely fine. Well, it isn't fine, is it? Because libraries are... I went to my library the other day. It was empty. It was empty. 08459 455 555... Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. A few slow patches starting to appear on the speed sensors this morning. Quite busy on the A6 through Clop Hill. It's come to the junction with the A507. You might find it a little bit busy in Hitchin at the minute. The A505 in particular looking slow, as is the A602 as you make your way across from the A1M. The A5, well, it's looking slow northbound into Hotcliffe, southbound looking busy through Dunstable and past Mark Yate down toward the M1, and the M1 looking slow as it does tend to past Junction 11 at the A505 toward 10 at Luton Airport. The A1 at Black Cat Roundabout is busy. You then have a patch of traffic on the A1M as you go past Stevenage Junctions 8 to 7, and then into London, slow from the Holiday Inn Junction towards Stirling Corner and from Apex Corner to Mill Hill Circus. M25 anti-clockwise, busy through the roadwork section, also slow from the M1 to Kings Langley and Maple Cross to the M40. If you're commuting by rail this morning, things are looking good on the departure boards. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. 7.47. I'm starting to warm up a little bit now, dear listener. You'll be pleased to hear. I don't know what that means, but it certainly means something. Uh, it is Wednesday, the 11th of September. I'm Ian Lee, and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. The Coronation Street actor Michael Lavelle has been found not guilty of sexually abusing a young girl and now says he's looking to get his job back. People can finally have their say on children's services at Bedford Hospital, as bosses have agreed to a consultation later in the year. And in sport, after their goalless draw against the Ukraine, the England manager is confident his side will now go on and qualify for the World Cup. Coming up, more on Bedford Hospital, but before that, let's get the weather with Kate. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. Well, there's a lot of cloud around this morning, but the wind, thankfully, is gradually beginning to ease that north-westerly wind. So it will feel just slightly more pleasant. Now, through the middle part of the morning into the first part of the afternoon, we should get some brighter spells, maybe even some hazy sunshine or some clear sunshine. But it's not going to last for too long. The latter part of the afternoon, the cloud will thicken and with it, some outbreaks of rain throughout this evening. But the temperature, as in the sunshine later, it will feel more pleasant than yesterday, but it doesn't look too impressive. If you're looking too closely at the numbers, it looks like uh, 15 Celsius is the maximum today. Now, overnight, like I said, this warm front moves through, bringing with it some thicker cloud and some outbreaks of rain. Once it passes, we've got some more humid air behind it. That turns everything a little bit murky, maybe a little bit misty towards dawn tomorrow morning. Minimum temperature 12 Celsius. And tomorrow, once that mist lifts, we'll get some breaks in the clouds, some brighter spells, and we're hanging on to that warmer air. So things likely to feel a little warmer tomorrow. We're looking at a maximum of 18 Celsius. Celsius. Thank you very much. 
every weekday morning from nine, the biggest local talking points. There is only one professional force that can control chemical weapons. How can we, as a civilised country, stand by and let more poor innocent children get killed? The JVS Show. Harry's in Bedford. Let's see what Harry wants to say. She knew what the laws were. She knew what she was doing. She got caught tough. I disagree with the penalty. I think that for smuggling drugs, it shouldn't be a death penalty. The JVS Show. Weekdays from nine. BBC Three Counties Radio. So a little um, uh, uh, running. That's probably too strong a word with Doreen, who is um, disappointed that um, her library is possibly going to be, well, potentially going to be closed down. Wigmore Library. I just get the feeling that older people. I include myself in that, and Doreen. I don't know her age, but I, su- I suspect she may maybe a little bit older than me. I just think that maybe we need to change with the times a bit. Libraries are very dark, and um, dis- they're just strange places. I suspect Doreen um, perhaps got upset in the 80s when they started um, having cassettes you could hire out. Yes, the primary purpose of a library is books, and now you can use computers there. I just think they need to do something else to make them a bit more attractive to people. Interesting Doreen's figures as well. How many people use the library? About 5,000. Is that per week? Oh, I don't know the figures. April's in Luton. April? Good morning. Libraries. Oh, vibrant places. You're being sarcastic, aren't you? No, no, I'm not. The local library that my son goes to, they have kids club. It's during the summer holiday. They have magicians there. They have songs and dance. How old is your your boy? Okay, he's four and a half. Exactly, you see. And I take... He's taken there by his grandmother. Uh, She uses it every week. April, April, you've you've just put forward my case for me. There's a four and a half year old and a 70 year old woman. There's nobody in between. Well, that's not entirely true. I do go to the library on occasion, but... I do use their virtual library. What? Bedfordshire have a, a virtual library. Oh, dear. What, what's that mean? Well, you just go online, you can um, order books and download them to your e-reader. Oh, for goodness sakes. <sighs> when so was I the... download books to my e-reader. When was the last time you physically went into the library? Um, about five weeks ago. OK, five weeks ago. And what, what did you get out from there? I didn't, because I didn't have anything that I hadn't you, already read. You see? You see, they need to get with it a bit more. I like, OK, I like the idea. I'm, I'm scoffing at the virtual library, but actually that's not a bad idea. That's one thing they could do. You go in there with your Kindle or whatever, and uh, you, you sit at the computer and you scan through. You go, oh, oh I want Fifty Shades of Grey. You plug in your Kindle, wallop, you download it, it's on we your... You don't co- even have to go there. Well, there you go. There you go. And what, does it disappear after two weeks or something? No, I think you got about, um, four, you got the standard four weeks, I think. And then it goes? It just disappears? No. Huh? No, it doesn't. Well, so no, you that's keep the, it? Yeah, that's kind of the disappointment. Well, that's there. That's their, well, listen, there is simple technology they can get that will mean the book disappears after four weeks. Easy. Okay, right. So we've got that. That's something. And I agree with you. I take my, um, my three-and-a-half-year-old boy to the library all the time because they have wonderful... You can make noises in the library now. Yes, you can. There's no one going around going, shh. You can make noise. And they have magicians, they have songs, they have toys, they have games, and we sit down and we read, and it's wonderful. But, April, how old are you? 38? No, 43. There we... Older than me, you see. Yeah. There are nobody... There's nobody between the ages of 17 and 29 using their library on a regular basis. Mm, and I that's, know about that. Well, th- th- I do. I'm telling you, it's a fact. And that's... <laughs> th- it's as much as a fact as that woman saying 5,000 people use her library. Is that a week? I don't know. Uh, nobody between the ages of 17 and 29 is using their library. I would like libraries to get bigger. 
The problem I have is that I've read all the books they have in the Bedfordshire Library. They need to rotate more. The, I, of the genres that I like. What genres do you like? Uh, science fiction and S- fantasy. Science fiction and fantasy. Morgana, again, Fifty Shades of Grey. I'm, I'm, je- I'm jealous of Birmingham. Yeah, that's huge. They've got the biggest library, I think, I'm going to say it, in Europe. The biggest library in Europe is in Birmingham. How col- mad is that? I have a colleague here who lives in, uh, in another local area, and he really does like libraries. Yeah. I think he's 15. He goes he's on a regular basis. F- he's 50? Yeah. You, uh, April, you're, you're doing the argument for libraries no favours. Old people and toddlers. That's it! We need to make libraries sexy for 17 to 29-year-olds. How do we do it? I don't know. Ophelia's in Luton. Good morning, Ophelia. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. We need to make libraries sexy. No, we don't. Sorry? We don't. What do you mean? Well, what do you mean by sexy? We need to make them attractive to young people. Listen, without with no disrespect, you're going to tell me you use your library, but you're also an old woman, aren't you? And now I'm an old woman, very old, but I've always used the library since the age of five. I mean, yeah. I came from a very poor family and there was loads of us, so... The library was a place where you went to read and to um, do your homework. Yes. And um, with um, as I grew up with that, I mean, when I, where I lived in London, it was the same thing. I mean, yeah. on a, we that was that was in the seventies, the sixties. No, uh, I'm talking about as recent as the nineties as well. How old are you, Ophelia? I'm old. Can't say on the phone. Forty three. No, older. Fifty two. Not quite. Forty nine. Oh, stop it. So you're Bingo now. Can I get back to the library, though? Okay, so you're 51 years old. So you were lo- using libraries in the 60s. The world was a different place in the no. 60s, Ophelia. Can I just say, can I just say, I was doing my degree... You in, didn't even in, have colour television in the, in the 60s. Can I just, let me just say, the library is a focus point, especially around exam times. It's, a, it's got the right atmosphere. Oh, uh, Ophelia... You're so out of touch. I don't know if you heard... There's these new things. I don't know if you've heard of them. They're called computers. And all the information you can get in the library, you can get on a computer. And the young people are not bothered going to libraries. They're in their bedrooms on their computers. That's not true. That's true. Ian, you're not going to the libraries enough yourself, if that's what you're saying. Go on, even on a Saturday morning. There's even... Well, it's mainly the central library. Because the library's so central. I'm really... I didn't even realise Wigmore's closing down because I've been so busy and mostly going to the central library in luton yes which is a bit annoying but wigmore is my favorite library when i first moved to luton about 12 years ago after getting my um signing uh, the the papers and everything else the day after i moved and got that all done the first place i went to sign up for the yeah library. that was in the olden days ophelia no, um 2000 that's 13 years ago no, but the library is so cool. And do you know it's a socialising place? You can meet people there. Oh, I don't want to meet people. You don't? Oh, I don't like meeting people. You get to talk to people oh. like minded. Oh, no. I don't want to talk to I people in the libraries. Young people go there to meet people. No, Ophelia, for goodness sakes. You're living in a, in a Mills and no, Boone novel. I as recent as last year. I saw it at Central Library as well. OK, well, Ophelia, we, we have to end it there. Thank you very much indeed. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. I cannot believe that uh, Ophelia is still clinging on to uh, the, the hope that uh, libraries are cool. OK, well, we've got two minutes for this. We can uh, try and fit this in. People in Bedford uh, will have a chance to have their say of the future of children's services at the town's hospital uh, when uh, a consultation begins later this year. The hospital... Do you want to do this or do you want to do this later? Should we do it now? Do it later. What are you saying? I say later, because otherwise I, I, we haven't got a lot of time. I say later as well, but the fact that it was still on the screen implied that I was going to go for it. 
It will do it later. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. We'll do it later on. We'll give it the time that it deserves. Libraries, though, we, we need to make them sexy. Ophelia is fifty-one years old. She is old. I am forty years old. I am old. Okay. We don't know what to, I don't know what a nineteen-year-old wants anymore. What do they want? Justin Bieber, Lady Gaga. I don't know what they want. We need to make libraries sexy for young people. How do we do that? Well, I don't know. Taking your, your Kindle so you can go in and you, you download a book for a bit. There we go. We can do that. Do it on your iPad. Something like that. What do you think? That's, that, that's an idea. But what else do we do? Can we find anybody between the ages of 17 and 29 who regularly uses their library and isn't a SWAT? Isn't a Walter the Softy? 08459. Four double five five double five is the telephone number. You can also go to facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. Lots of you having your say about whether uh, uh, people accused of sex crimes should be named or not. Mark Dunn says, evidence or not, there is also a lot of these money-grabbing media junkies trying to get a quick buck. Yes, some people have been abused and sexually assaulted, but now it's becoming silly that everyone is coming forward with lies. Good for the person if they remained anonymous. But also, if you have nothing to hide, then why should you? The thing with being out in the open, guilt would set it. Lies would come out. I don't know what that means. Uh, And uh, Jenny says, of course Michael Lavelle should get his job back. Leslie Grantham served time for manslaughter, but that didn't stop him being hired by the the beep. But I don't agree with naming the victim unless she acted maliciously. In many cases, she may have been someone's victim, just not that of the accused. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Slow moving on the M1 southbound still as you make your way from Junction 11 at the A505 toward Junction 10 for Luton Airport and the Spur Road. Speed sensors also picking up a fair bit of traffic this morning on the northbound A5. It's as you make your way into Hotcliffe. And there may be some temporary traffic lights around there. I'm not sure. We haven't had reports of roadworks. But if you're caught in the queue and if it's something unusual, let us know. 08459 455 555. The A6 in Clop Hill looking slow as well. The A1 slow at Black Cat Roundabout, busy into Sandy on the southbound side. Also then slow as you make your way past Stevenage and then into London delays through Boreham Wood. M25 slow anti-clockwise through the roadworks, past the M1 and round to the M40. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. So, should we name people accused of sex crimes? 08459 455 555. And how do we make libraries cool? I know, I know. What a strange idea. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's eight o'clock. I'm Serena Farrow. The headlines. Coronation Street star says he wants a return. Protests to save Luton libraries. And is there a cat killer in Milton Keynes? BBC Three Counties Radio. The Coronation Street actor Michael Lavelle says he wants his job back after he was found not guilty of sexually abusing a young girl. The actor who plays Kevin Webster had denied 12 counts of rape, indecent assault and sexual activity with a child. More locally, people in Luton say they desperately need to keep their libraries open in order to keep their communities alive. Well, petitions have been collected to save both the Wigmore and Sundon Park. It covers 172,000 residents and they want to close it. And there is no viable alternative because Stopsley is a tiny place. There's no parking. Otherwise, people would have to pay £3 to go to town and walk the length of a high street. 
Resident Doreen Steinberg, who also voiced her opinions at a council meeting last night. There, it was decided that Lutonborough Council will look at other funding options such as sponsorship before it actually finalises its plans in October. Now, Milton Keynes' man says there's a cat killer on the loose after his pet was poisoned with antifreeze. Ken Power believes his cat, Bo, had been fed chicken, coated in the dangerous substance. He says it's too cruel. I don't understand. There is no rationale behind it. There's no logical sense to it. And, no, I, I, I can't understand why anybody would do that. I wouldn't know where to begin. In Bedford, improvements to children's services are on the horizon at the hospital as they now want people's views. A consultation will start later this year. The Trust closed some of the services after junior doctors were withdrawn because there just simply wasn't enough staff to train them. Well, the hospital since apologised and is now actively recruiting. But the town's mayor, Dave Hodgson, says it just delays the process. The hospital had good clinical outcomes in paediatrics. The hospital in the last two years has been financially viable. So both those things are okay and yet it seems to be used as an excuse by the CCG to actually look at reconfiguring and does that mean removing services from Bedford Hospital? I hope not, but I believe so. It's claimed the HS2 rail link through Buckinghamshire may boost Britain's economy by £15 billion a year. A study commissioned by the company responsible for the line says most of the benefit will be felt in the local regions, not London. And an engineer who works in Stevenage has survived yet another week on the BBC TV show The Great British Bake Off. Rob Smart had to make pies last night. Speaking before the show, he told BBC Three Counties Radio what he thought made a good pie. It's got to have a a decent colour on it. It's got to be cooked through. It's got to try and hold its shape at least. (laughs) That's less important. Flavour and texture are the most important things of the pie. Sport now in England drew nil-nil with Ukraine in their latest World Cup qualifier last night. Victory in their final two in next month will guarantee automatic qualification for Brazil. So mostly dry for the rest of the day. Temperatures feeling warmer than yesterday, 18 degrees Celsius. Get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. Well, now we know what makes a good pie. Glad that's cleared up. I was confused. Am I the only person in the world never to have seen the Great British Bake Off? I don't. I, is that the one with Mel and Sue? I like Mel. I like. I like Mel. I like Sue. I prefer Mel. I like both of them. But I don't want to see them presenting a program about baking off. They said baking off. I don't. That's the one with Paul Hollywood, isn't it? The uh, the baking love rat. <laughs> Cheeky little wink to camera. Well, we, we now know what makes a good pie, and that that really has. We, we might as well finish now. Jonathan, you can start early. We're not going to beat that. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots coming up in the last hour before JVS at nine, including. Coronation Street star Michael Lavelle has been found innocent of child rape charges. Should everyone accused of sex crimes remain anonymous until found guilty? Protesters against the closure of two libraries in Luton say they'll continue their fight to keep the premises open. I suggest that we need to do something to make libraries cool, but what do we do? And one Milton Keynes resident believes a cat murderer is on the loose. Why do some people hate cats? 
facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text 81333. Start your text 3CR and you can give me a call 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's front page news on uh, most of today's paper. The actor, Michael Lavelle, who played uh, plays Kevin Webster on Coronation Street, has been cleared of all 12 charges of child sex abuse. The actor said he was delighted with the verdict. I'd like to thank ITV as well for their uh, continued support throughout this uh, traumatic time for all of us. And I'd just like to say... uh, Thank you all for being patient. And uh, I might go and have a drink now, Billy. See, it does worry me slightly. Him saying he's an alcoholic. He's admitted in court he's an alcoholic and he's saying he's going out for a drink. That doesn't sound like um, a, a man who is celebrating. Do you know what I mean? I do worry. The, the stress and pressure that gentleman has been under for the past two years. Well, his accuser, who cannot be named, claimed she was abused from the age of six until she was 14. The jury at Manchester Crown Court took just over four hours to return verdicts of not guilty on all counts. This case has raised questions as to whether those like Mr Lavelle, who are accused of sexual offences, should be granted the same degree of anonymity as the alleged victim. Until 1988, complainants and defendants in rape cases had anonymity, but that was changed, so suspects weren't being treated differently from people accused of other crimes. Well, Justin Dealey has been out and about this morning asking whether people accused of sex crimes should remain anonymous unless they're proven guilty. I certainly do, yes. I think it's important that everyone's anonymity is is met uh, until proven guilty. Because what, what you get is uh, guilt by, by the press, really. Uh, what we have now with Twitter and Facebook, it's, it, it, it's, and uh, the whole thing just sort of seems to uh, expand. I think absolutely. I know some of them turn out to be guilty, but that is down to the law to sort out. So I'm pleased it's been found innocent, to be honest, and uh, good to see him back on Corrie. <laughs> yes, um, because if, it is, if they are innocent, and in this country, you're innocent until proven guilty. Then we're already we're already damning them, and he's been damned. He should have. Um, he was he wasn't guilty, or he was found not guilty, but he's now been labelled. I mean, his name was all over the newspapers, but her name's been kept completely out of the papers. She's had anonymity the whole way through this trial. If a man is found guilty, then the accuser should keep her in anonymity. But if he is found innocent, they should release her name. And as far as I'm concerned, it's, a, it's got to be fair, and that's the only way it can be done fair. I know of people it's happened to, and they've had to move, just because they got accused of a sexual crime. The girl that done it was drunk, and ended up putting claims for him, and he had to move. In the end, he was proved innocent? Yes. So despite being proved innocent, that has ruined his life. Yeah. You're making a point there, you don't have to be famous to be in that situation. That's it, you don't. Anybody. It could happen to me, you, anyone. You are innocent and you are proved guilty. And this, and this guy, he was tried by news. He was tried and found guilty by the news well before he ever got to court. And that was people speaking to Justin Delia earlier on. Joined now by Karma Melli, who is a criminal barrister specialising in sexual offences. Morning, Karma. Good morning. Should people accused of sex crimes um, be anonymous until they're found guilty? I'm afraid, and although I do say this reluctantly, of course, because we do see some men's lives absolutely ruined by being falsely accused of rape and have absolute sympathy for that. But still, on balance, I do think there is a lot of positive 
to be gained by having men's names accused of sexual offences being allowed to be published in the paper. What are the positives? The positives, first and foremost, is that we have seen time and time again that when someone is charged with sexual offending and his name is, I use a he in this case, but his name is reported in the paper, you see other victims come forward. Now, it wasn't so long ago that we had, of course, Stuart Hall convicted of sexual offences. And really, the reason why there was ultimately a conviction in that case is because the original publicity led to other victims coming forward victims who didn't know each other who weren't colluding with each other and the evidence became overwhelming because of the number of victims how often does, does that happen it genuinely does happen we've in the in the how often i don't know what the statistics are but i can tell you from my own professional career that i have seen it happen now those won't be cases that have been reported in the national media they might be on a local level we've seen people accused and their names appear in the local paper and other victims come forward and those cases that i've been involved in have meant the defendants ended up pleading guilty to those offenses because of the number of victims so genuinely we have those cases for example the london, london taxi driver a rapist name was out there other victims came forward so it does provide a real positive and public good but michael lavelle yes. he's i mean hopefully he will get his job back but there yes. will always i mean we've had people on facebook saying well listen he was found innocent but that doesn't mean he's actually innocent it just means there wasn't enough evidence mud sticks and no smoke without fire people will chuck all these cliches out and believe that this gentleman is guilty there will be some people who do feel that absolutely but almost all the reports that i've read so far have actually been very sympathetic to the very difficult situation that mr lavelle has been well they, they, they have to in the newspapers but th because th they're, they're legally obliged to because he has done nothing wrong but th your man on the street lots of them will be going well hang on i bet something went on well, as I said, speaking to people and generally and looking at sort of social networking, overwhelmingly, I would say it's the reaction is the, is the other way around. It is of sympathy. But absolutely, I'm Two not years. denying that, well, questions marks about why our criminal justice system has delay and so forth is a different issue. And I'm not trying in any way to minimise what must have been an absolute horrific period of time for him and for other men who are falsely accused but aren't in, in the national papers even for them it can be horrific no. i'm not belittling no of course you're not and i know you're not i know you're we're just having a, a, a yeah, free debate sure, but, but sure. this, this man for two years yeah. he hasn't worked for two years so he's That's not earned right. any money for two years he's yeah. an alcoholic and he's he's he, I, th I think i read in one of the stories he had 28 pints in two days to go over the stress right he was suicidal yes yeah. th that's not fair on him at all is it in terms of whether it's fair for him, absolutely it's not. What he's been through is, is awful. I would like to see slightly less salacious reporting of the details of people's private lives, of men's private life, because that doesn't have that public good of people coming forward to report offences. That doesn't do anything but sell newspapers. So I would like to see that level of restriction. But what ultimately I'm saying is that however awful it has been, when you look at it overall in terms of protecting the public and locking up real rapists and real paedophiles, that publicising men's names 
does provide a level of protection in finding men who do commit such horrific crimes. And so on balance, with sympathy and with regret, I do believe that people's names should continue to be published in the paper. I guess the the, the thing is, uh, speaking as a man, this could potentially happen to me. Someone could come out and say that I'm a paedophile. Many years ago, I had someone threaten me with that, who said, look, I don't like you, I don't like your radio show, I'm going to go to the police and tell them you're a paedophile. Luckily, he sent me that in an email so i went straight to the police with the email said look just keep an eye out for this guy sure but someone could someone who has a a grudge against me could come out and say i raped them as a child and if their argument was strong enough i could be dragged through the papers for two years that would destroy my life that would destroy my marriage i wouldn't work i'd lose my job here that and i understand what you're saying of course that in the cases where it has brought out more victims that's wonderful but it really does seem unfair that any gentleman and women to a certain extent but any gentleman mainly could have the finger of accusation pointed at them and there is nothing they can do well if the woman ends up being convicted of perverting the course of justice then because she's actually made a false account then the reporting of her conviction is different uh, in that occasion she won't have anonymity in relation to perverting the course of justice but there is another slight argument as well that i'd just like to mention which is of course that defendants don't have anonymity for any crime. Men can be accused, or women, of false crimes of the most horrific case. It don't have to be sexual offences, child cruelty, torture, murder. Now, people accused of those horrific crimes don't have anonymity. I do worry that if we're going to start to call for just men accused of sexual offences and only they should have an anonymity it's rather saying something about our attitude to women and children who report offences of sexual offending towards them what sort of message does it send to them if we're going to report people accused of crimes names before conviction then it needs to be the same rule for all offences Karma, I appreciate your time. Interesting argument. It's Karma Melly, criminal barrister, specialising in sexual offences, puts forward a very strong case. She would do. She's a criminal barrister, for goodness sakes. What do you think? Do you agree? But yes, the system works perfectly well at the moment, that, um, that men should be named. Or do you think they shouldn't? 08459 455 555. JVS is asking today, is it right that we name people accused of sex crimes? I did. I had a fellow who hated me on another radio station. Hey, I think I cut him off. I was rude to him. So he sent me an email saying, right, what I'm going to do is I'm going to out you as a paedophile. I'm going to... He listed everything he was going to do. And then he sent me an email pretending he was a girl saying, oh, what? So I just went straight to the police. I went, I've just had this email from this gentleman who's going to out me. I want you feel free to come look at my computers, come and do anything you want, but I just want to get in first. And uh, they went and nicked him <laughs> because he'd, he'd uh, left something. He'd left a clue as to who he was or something. They went and nicked him. Did he go to prison? No, he didn't go to prison, but he got a big fine. He was a nut job. Anyway, anyway, we're going off on a tangent. 08459 455 555. It's 8.15. Let's get the travel with Adam. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The A1M has been looking particularly slow this morning southbound. Turns out there's been an accident. It's on the hard shoulder now. It's between Stevenage North and South, junctions 8 and 7, and traffic is still looking really slow past the scene. If you're heading further toward London on the A1, expect the usual delays through Boreham Wood. It's looking very slow at the moment past the Holiday Inn junction. Further back up the A1, 
you've got some queues from the Eaton Soak Junction down toward the Black Cat Roundabout. Looking busy on the Bromham Road into Bedford, the A428. Slow in Olney on the A509. Milton Keynes not looking too bad. Leighton Buzzard may be a little busy on the A505 toward the 4146 Junction. Dunstable on the A5 and Mark Yate both looking okay. Redbourne a little slow though near to the M1. M1 looking a bit busy as you make your way down toward London but really not too bad actually past Hemel Hempstead. Usual queues starting to build around London Coney on the A414 and then on the M25 anti-clockwise delays through the roadwork section and then again as you get round toward the M40. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much. Right, it's 8.17 or thereabouts. It's uh, Wednesday, the 11th of September. I'm Ian Lee, and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. The Coronation Street actor Michael Lavelle has been found not guilty of sexually abusing a young girl and now says he's looking to get his job back. It's claimed the HS2 rail link through Buckinghamshire may boost Britain's economy by £15 billion a year. In sport, after last night's draw with Ukraine, England now needs two more victories to qualify for the World Cup. Coming up, we'll hear about the public consultation over the future of the children's services at Bedford Hospital. BBC Three Counties Radio. Roberto Peroni on BBC Three Counties Radio. If you're at home, sit back, because this is going to be very, very interesting. You've got the selfie, the legsy, the bumsy. (laughs) You're going to start that trend. Roberto Peroni. We seem to be heading um, headlong into war again. We're very keen to stop this from happening. We don't know where this might lead. The lie that took us into the Iraq war could become a shocking truth in this one. Roberto Peroni. Weekdays from three on BBC Three Counties Radio. <laughs> oh, Jonathan Vernon Smith. <laughs> Hello there. Little boy blue. Not got blue trousers on though. Look at that. Nice no, blue. I've got my cream slacks on. A blue jersey, a blue polo shirt. Snug. I, l- I love this jersey. It's a nice jersey. I mean, it's it, got silk in it. it. You can tell it's. Oh yeah, I used to have a jersey like that. Nice, isn't it? Hard to wash though. Do you hand wash? No, no, I don't hand wash anything. No. Just goes in cold. And, and that's okay, is it? How do you dry it? Because well, you can't hang it dry because it will stretch. What do you, do you have to leave it flat? Uh, I drape it over my horse. Really? Yes. And that doesn't stretch it or anything? No, 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 that it seems no. to be fine. I mean, okay. If you're happy with it, that's fine. <laughs> Now listen, tell me, because I, I missed this, and I, I, I saw online, and you mentioned very briefly to me yesterday, you found the treasure trove well, woman. I, I didn't personally ah. find the treasure The police have found this her. This is one of the most intriguing stories I've heard on your um, uh, Consumer Hour for a long, long time. A woman who ran a sort of second-hand clothing Yes, it's store. a shop in Woburn. Yes. You've been to Woburn? It's gorgeous. Yeah, I like Woburn. Oh, it's, it's very nice. beautiful. Yeah. Uh, it's very nice, very kind of luxury, I would describe. It's a luxury town. Isn't it just? And there was a little shop there called Treasure Trove. It's been there for some time. Yep. And the woman that was running it, she was uh, allowing people to take clothes in, you know, second-hand clothes, normally stuff that was quite nice. She'd sell it, and then she'd split the profit. She'd get 50-50. Very nice. Sounds like a good little business. Great setup. Uh, a number of people, particularly women, taking in their kind of, you know, last year's dresses or coats or whatever, yep. handbags, that kind of stuff. Uh, suddenly, at Christmas time, mm. the shop vanished. Uh-oh. Uh, people who'd left their items of clothing. One one lady who came to me, her mother had recently died, and she'd taken all of her mother's old things down to the shop. Mm. Everything just went overnight. It quickly became apparent that what had happened, this woman had turned up at the weekend in the middle of the night 
with a transit van. Oh, dear. Emptied out the shop and vanished. Well, she'd vanished owing people money. Yep. She'd obviously vanished with people's clothes and mm. with people's items. Where'd she been? We had the exciting news this week. And this has been going on for a long time, this hunt, It's been going it? on for, yep. well, ever since Christmas, yep. really. Um, the police found her and arrested her. Fantastic. We believe in London. And the staff is all at a lock-up in Dunstall. Oh, wonderful. So uh, we're hoping that people will be reunited Isn't with those good? items of clothing very soon. I love that story. <clears throat> Fantastic. Yes. Well done. Well, you should take credit for it. You should say, you know... I you didn't f- find her. You should say you did. I tried to find her. You couldn't. No, uh, well, you see, this is the odd thing. Yeah. Because I've dealt with, with issues like this before. And normally, when you name somebody and name their company you get phone calls from people saying look i don't want to go on air yes. i can tell you where they are yeah i know where she lives didn't get any of that at all nothing which was all slightly peculiar mm. so i can only presume this woman and and indeed this was the information we had she'd mentioned to people that she had a very long drive to work every day mm. so we can only suggest that she lives quite a long way away and nobody locally in bedside actually knew where she was Fantastic. where did she live you're like um colombo like Columbo? Yeah. That's a compliment. Oh, okay. I mean, in looks. But anyway. Now, <laughs> no, you are like Columbo. You're, you're an excellent. You, you, you Not chase Miss them. Marple. Is that what you'd rather be? <laughs> if you want to be Miss Only Marple. Only on Wednesdays. <laughs> now, you're carrying on one of the topics we're talking about this morning. Yeah, absolutely. You? It's the big story of the day. Coronation Street star Michael Lavelle has been cleared of a, a number of child sex abuse charges, including rape. The 48-year-old actor denied 12 charges in total and told the jury he was fighting for his life. An unnamed girl, now 17, claimed Michael Lavelle had abused her from the age of six. But today the front pages show the coronation restart outside court a free man with a smile on his face well from nine this morning is it right that we name people accused of sex crimes very interested in your discussion mm. you were just having with the barrister yeah she was good wasn't she you know i mean there are two ways of looking at this aren't there if we name people then of course it gives other potential victims the encouragement to come out and say well actually yeah this happened to me too mm. And you can make a stronger case against somebody. But if someone is innocent, like Mr Lavelle, what, what does it actually achieve? Mm. What do you really achieve? All you do is drag someone's name through the mud. And what? For, for what? Mm. All because um, perhaps some fantasist decides they're going to make an accusation which is wholly unfounded, or somebody has a vendetta against someone, they decide to do this. It just seems totally and utterly unfair that you can ruin someone's life... But from nine this morning, I want your views. Is it right that we name people accused of sex crimes? Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Okay, I'm just sorry, I don't have to ask you. I thought we could get that in time. Have you broken your finger at any point? No, this one. Your, your no, little see, this bent. one is straight. Yes. That one, I can't straighten any more than that. I just saw you putting your hands together and it was... It was uh... A little like wonky. Is, is that is that from birth? Is that uh, what is that? Well, I, I I can't I can straighten it if I do that. Isn't that funny? Ooh, what? It's maybe uncomfortable. What? Because you found a little defect in me. Could you wear a it's glove? Plenty more. <laughs> 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 Thank you, JVS. Thank you very much. See you later on.
455 if you want to give him a call. Now, people in Bedford will have a chance to have their say over the future of children's services at the town's hospital when a consultation begins later this year. The Trust has faced severe criticism for closing some of its paediatric services after junior doctors were withdrawn because of a shortage of senior staff to train them. The hospital has apologised but says they will now look to advertise posts across both Milton Keynes and Bedford hospitals to make it more attractive. Peter Parry Oakden is a Bedford GP from the local clinical commissioning group which will determine the future of the paediatric unit. Good morning Peter. So morning, let's start with some good news. From Monday urgent GP referrals will be brought back to the hospital. What does that mean for you and for the patients? Yeah, this is very welcome news. It, it means that, you know, if we see a patient in our surgeries who we are concerned about, that they haven't got a life-threatening condition, but we are concerned that things might deteriorate, we can um, get that patient seen at Bedford Hospital on the Riverbank Ward between the hours of 9 o'clock um, and 10 o'clock at night, seven days a week. So I think that will mean that for the vast majority of children who present with, you know, an illness on the day, they may well be able to be managed in Bedford. Only those very sick children who need to be kept in overnight will then need to transfer to Milton Keynes. Now, this, this consultation, how does that work and who's going to be consulted? Right. Well, if we um, change services, we are legally required to um, consult with the public. Um, and we think that's really important. We're a new organisation and we actually, you know, we are genuinely interested um, to hear the public's views. And last night at the overview and scrutiny meeting, we heard two members of the public speak very eloquently about what they wanted paediatric services to be like. And we know from all the marches that people do care passionately about what paediatric services are like. So we're going to have a consultation period that starts in, um, in November, running through to January. Um, there's, a pre- there's a bit before that when we, when we engage with people to find out what the sort of various options might be. Then there's a consultation. And in March, the various options will come to the CCG governing body for a decision. Some people saying it's not really necessary. Is this just an excuse to, to trim down services in the paediatric unit? Not at all. Yes, I mean, the mayor seems to be of the view that we should replace like with like and that having had this crisis, and I think this needs to be looked at in the context of the recent CQC report, which was fairly damning of Bedford Hospital, I think to put things back exactly as they were, to me, just does not seem right. And to us, so we think we need to, in, in fact, improve paediatric services. So it's not about putting the same back. We want to improve it. And we heard last night from the public that actually they've discovered that other hospitals, when they've, where they've had to go, sometimes actually provide better paediatric services than they were getting at Bedford. And they understand that actually to get better services, we may have to change the way they're delivered. And they are happy to accept that things might be different but overall will provide a better service to our patients. Peter, when you say different, of course everybody wants things improved. Do, do you mean streamlined slightly? Well, I think services can be provided in a, in a more effective way so that patients get seen quickly and get the, the right treatment the first time they're seen. So, when, yeah, it's streamlined, but we're not talking about cuts. We're talking, I mean, it may be an enhanced service. We want... Genuinely, with the money that we have, we only have limited resources, clearly, but we want to make sure, and with discussion with the public and patients, how can we use that resource in the best possible way to make sure the majority of our patients get actually excellent care, and hopefully locally wherever possible. 
How can people get involved in the consultation, Peter? Right. Well, there's um, our website, which is www.bedfordshireccg.nhs.uk. We'll go, I think we'll go live on the 23rd of September, and there will be uh, on there you will be able to find um, you know how to get involved. We obviously there will be also all sorts of communications going on as well, but um, the website is probably the best place to start in the first place. Peter, thank you very much indeed. Peter Parry Oakden, Bedford GP from the local clinical commissioning group. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Mm-hmm. Subject of libraries. We need to make libraries sexy. Save the British Library. Mark in Bletchley. Ian, I think you'll find that the library is quite busy for job searchers that have no internet. Okay, right. So, what? how many computers have they got? Six? Okay. It's not... Okay. And I'm going to say something that people are going to hate me for. Middle-aged men looking for jobs on computers is not sexy. I've said it. I know it's essential. It's an essential service. It's an essential service. Congratulations. Well done. And, of course, they should be providing it. But we want to make libraries sexy. We want to get younger people in there. Middle-aged men looking for jobs on computers is not sexy. I'm, I'm, I'm speaking bluntly, but as I find. It's a wonderful service, and I'm not saying we should get rid of it. We, we need to keep that. We need to add to that to make libraries sexy. Here we go. David's got a suggestion. Thank you, David. Libraries need a coffee shop. Boom. He's in there. You go into a big bookshop now, they quite often have a Costa franchise, or they'll have a little independent coffee shop. Now, if I went to my local library and they had a, a Starbucks or they had a little local... Get, get a little local coffee shop to open up a little stall in there selling coffee and croissant, maybe a cheese and uh, chutney sandwich, then I'd sit in there for a bit longer. I'd have a cup of coffee... Sit down, have a sandwich, nice bit of carrot cake, lovely, hey? Thank you, David, at last, a sensible suggestion on how we make libraries sexier. Maybe they could have a bar and sell Alco Pops. 08459 455 555. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Things still looking busy on the A1M southbound. We had an accident a bit earlier this morning. Now on the hard shoulder between junctions 8 and 7 as you go past Stevenage, but traffic's still quite slow past the scene. Plenty of people using the A602. It's looking rather busy eastbound past Watton at Stone as you head across toward the A10. The A10 looking better through Chesant, but still a little busy toward the M25. In Hartford, there are some delays on the westbound A414. Again, that's from the A10. M1 looking much improved. A5 looking much better around Dunstable as well. Still some delays into Bedford, though, on the Bromham Road and in Olney on the southbound A509. Looking at the M25 then, anti-clockwise delays into the roadworks past Chesant at Junction 25 through to Potter's Bar and then it slows up as you make the approach to the M40 at Junction 16. And the A404 from High Wycombe toward Marlow is looking busy this morning too. Trains and tubes, though, they're doing well. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. It's 8.30, let's get the news and sport now. Here's Serena. Good morning. It's claimed the HS2 rail link through Buckinghamshire may boost Britain's economy by £15 billion a year. Meanwhile, residents say people in Luton just won't use libraries. That's if their local ones in Wigmore and Sundon Park close. They believe it'll be too much hassle to use the one in the town centre. Now, some of the world's major clothing manufacturers, including Primark, are all meeting to discuss compensation for workers injured or killed in the garment industry. It comes as more than 1,200 people have died in Bangladesh in 
in the past year. And the Coronation Street actor Michael Lavelle says he wants his job back after he was found not guilty of sexually abusing a young girl. Well, coming up from nine, JVS will be asking, is it right that we name people accused of sex crimes? All that and more. But now, that's, let's now turn to the morning sport. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Captain Stephen Gerrard says England are in a good position after ensuring their qualification for next year's World Cup. Last night's goalless draw with Ukraine means Gerrard's side will book their place in Brazil if they win their remaining two qualifiers next month. We are where we want to be going into the final two games, uh, having to win the games, but we're confident we can do that. Uh, you know, it would have been a disaster if we'd have lost this game. You know, and there's a lot of pressures on us tonight to avoid defeat, and we've done that. But I think we've done it with flying colours because defensively we were very good. Staying with last night's games and Watford's Aikishi Anu as part of the Scotland squad where they beat Macedonia 2-1. MK Don's defender Lee Hodson was with Northern Ireland who lost out 3-2 in Luxembourg. Wales manager Chris Coleman says he intends to sign a new contract with the FA of Wales. That's despite his side losing their latest World Cup qualifier 3-0 to Serbia. And the Football Association of Ireland say they'll now discuss recent results after the Republic of Ireland lost 1-0 to Austria. So cricket, England played the third one-day international of the series against Australia at Edgbaston today. They trail 1-0, having lost the second one-day on Sunday. BBC Three Counties Radio, more from me at nine. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is Ian Lee. On BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning. Lots coming up between now and JVS at nine o'clock, including cats and libraries. Cats and libraries. No... Stay with us. Later today, the Transport Secretary will make a speech about the high-speed rail link planned to run through Buckinghamshire. Patrick McLaughlin is expected to be armed with a report to reiterate the economic benefits of pushing ahead with Europe's biggest infrastructure project. This comes after a report by the Public Accounts Committee which claimed the £50 would be better spent improving the rail network elsewhere. I'm joined now by Rail Minister Simon Burns. Uh, Simon, this is planned through Buckinghamshire and most people I've spoken to don't seem to want it here. Why are you pushing ahead with it? Because... It is an important um, part of increasing capacity on the rail network in this country because if you take, for example, the West Coast Main Line, that capacity will be full by 2024 and at the same time you have more people each year wanting to use our railways and to do nothing is not an option because it would just cause problems for those wishing to use the rail network. Well the Public Accounts Committee aren't saying do nothing, they're saying invest the money in the existing railway already, improving that, lengthening platforms and trains, is is that not a, a more viable option? That, that is an equally important one, and that is why we are spending billions of pounds improving, expanding and repairing the existing rail network. Between 2014 and 19, Network Rail and the government will be spending £37.5 billion doing that on the conventional rail network. High Speed 2 is not an either-or option. We will do both. There's been so many different figures and it keeps getting more expensive and, and, and some people say it's going to cost this, it'll have this impact. Can we believe these figures, any of the figures we've been given? Uh, yes, I mean, some of the figures that people who are opposed to High Speed 2 have been banding around, frankly, come from fantasy land. Um, what we have got is a ver- very carefully costed programme with very good checks and balances to ensure that we keep to the budget and the budget is 42.6 billion pounds of which 
£14.4 billion is a contingency fund, much of which will probably never be used. So, what, you're saying it it could cost as as little as £30 billion? That's kind of what you're expecting? What we what we are expecting is that we will keep to the budget. The budget is forty two point six billion pounds, of which fourteen point four billion pounds is contingency funding. Okay, so just to confirm, that is for the building of the railway. There is, of course, seven and a half billion pounds for the rolling stock, okay. with a one point seven billion pound contingency fund. So, there. just to confirm, the building of the railway will not cost more than forty two billion pounds. You, you you can guarantee 42.6 that. Forty two point six billion pounds will not cost more than that. Yes, because we have vigorous um, controls and checks and balances to make sure that the project is um, kept uh, on target and on, um, on the budget, just as Crossrail, which is the biggest development in Europe at the moment, is coming in on time and on budget, just as the Olympics were. Uh, Labour's former Transport Secretary, Alistair Darling, says it could drain money away from other much-needed projects. He's described the economic benefits as highly contentious. Conservative MP for Chesham and Amersham, Cheryl Gillan, says it's a boy's toy. She wants it scrapped. Uh, what would you say to these, uh, these critics? Well, what I'd say to Alistair Darling is that um, he is wrong. And it is surprising, given that he was Chancellor of the Exchequer of the government that took the decision to build High Speed 2 back in 2009. And to my colleague Cheryl, I would say, um, I understand. She is the constituency MP for Chesham and Amersham. She is behaving correctly as a constituency member of Parliament, representing her constituents. But we have looked at... um, her concerns and we have gone a long way to helping um, to alleviate the impact of HS2 on her constituency by putting more of it in a tunnel and ultimately if where I think I disagree with her is that if we don't go ahead with high speed 2 we will not have the capacity to meet the ever increasing demand for rail use by passengers and more freight on our rail network. Simon, thank you very much for your time this morning. That's Rail Minister Simon Burns. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. We didn't finish the newspapers, did we? Should we have a little look at the rest of the newspapers? We were so carried away with lots of business and bits and pieces. The Independent... Um, end of Lavelle's Coronation Street... Uh, end of Lavelle's Hell, Coronation Street star cleared. And there's a picture of him outside of court. HS2 chief takes three months off with torn calf muscle. Huh? The government's planned high-speed rail link between London and Manchester has continued its descent into chaos. As Douglas Okavy, the veteran chairman of the £42.6 billion project, remember, it won't go above that. And remember... £14 billion pounds of that is a contingency plan they probably won't need to spend, so it's going to cost, what, £28 billion? Pounds? Won't cost more than £28 billion. Pounds. Well, this is a £14 billion pounds contingency, so it won't cost more than £42.6 billion. Pounds. We have it there from the Rail Minister himself. I hope we've clipped that, just in case. And I saw the Olympics did go over budget. It went over the initial budget, didn't it? Because they forgot to add VAT on? Hello? Uh, anyway, this gentleman's been forced to take three months off with a torn calf muscle. Mr Okavy's leadership and experience is considered crucial at what is now a key juncture for the project, which would cut journey time from London to Birmingham to just 49 minutes. You could go to Birmingham and use their huge library. Is it the biggest library in Europe? The Daily Mail. 
not the most flattering picture of uh, Michael Lavelle, and I'm sure he's not that bothered. As Coronation Street actor is cleared of child sex attacks, Furious family say he's a victim of celebrity witch hunt. Why was he ever charged? Uh, the Daily Express. They split it between uh, Michael Lavelle being cleared and all banknotes to be pl- all banknotes to be plaxed. plastic. This is uh, health and safety gone mad. This is polit- political madness gone wrong. What? Let's read on. Harder to forge, and more importantly, can survive a soaking in the washing machine. Really, really, is that the main reason? So when's this going to happen? Let's find out. New plastic banknotes could ah could be filling our wallets within the next three years. They're cleaner, more secure, and because they last longer, £10 million a year cheaper than the cotton paper currently used, the Bank of England said yesterday. The bank plans to start with fivers and tenors, and if, if successful, all future banknotes will be plastic. But last night it was feared the plans will leave millions of pensioners and blind people confused. Pensioners? Uh, blind people, yes, I can understand why they might be confused. Pensioners? Really? Turn to page four. Justin, I'll, come, I'll be with you in a second. Yeah, no worries, boss. I just uh, want to find out about these plastic notes. Yeah, yeah. I, I know, I know you, you want to know about this as well. Loads of money. Uh, okay. Cash is king. Okay. Our current banknotes have an iconic status in society. I want to know when this is going to d- d- happen. Ah, 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 here we go, here come we on. go. This is where we start to... I knew that there was a, 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 a whiff, Justin, of this not <laughs> quite being the, the truth that the front page implied. So, this is going to happen, possibly in three years, and then we get to... A two-month-long consultation will take place, guess where? Go on. Shopping centres. Right. To allow the public to fill the new notes and make comments. Oh, what a lovely day out there with it. Let's go down to our local shopping centre to feel something, <laughs> and we'll give our views. Well, you're not allowed to do that anymore. Political <laughs> correctness gone mad. <laughs> Justin Dealey. Yes, he Cats, me. cats, cats, cats. You mm. haven't got any pets, have you? Um, no, my mum's got uh, a lovely dog, uh, a Bichon Poo. We've seen the uh, naked pictures. Yeah, the selfie. Yeah. Um, that was the dog's idea, not mine. But, um, no, I've, I've got a love for for cats and all animals. I'm an animal lover like most people in this country. Are you, are you entering Miss World or something? <laughs> I love all animals. If you don't own... Here, here's something. Mm. If you don't own a pet, you have no soul. Ooh, you I have no soul. You need, you need something that looks up to you and depends on you uh, and it, that loves you unconditionally. You Let need it. fight back right now. I live in a flat and I'm not allowed a dog. Otherwise, I would have a dog. Okay, well, there are, I don't know if you've heard of, uh, I don't know, guinea pigs? Who wants a guinea pig? Oh, guinea pigs are great! Uh, they may look cute, but what's the point? Okay, how Just about it out there. A, a, an indoor rabbit? Again, what's the point? You see, because it, it, you've you've got no soul. No, I've got soul. I just love dogs. I love cats. He does look good with a poodle. He would look very good with a poodle. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, now, Justin, you've been out asking people uh, uh, about cats. What, what have yeah. you been asking them? What have they been saying? Well, again, we're talking about antifreeze poisoning. It's something that, that we talk about with cats quite often on this programme, how anybody could do that to, to any cat. I don't know. So I've been out this morning asking people why they don't like cats. Now, uh, some interesting answers. They couldn't really back it up but um here's what people in Luton had to say this morning about their hatred towards cats so you hate cats can you tell me why but well, they look they look like they always look like they're up to something to be honest and that's the reason yeah debbie again you're somebody who doesn't have a, a lot of affection for cats but you have a good reason tell us why because i'm allergic to them so what happens if you came into contact with a pussy cat <laughs> i get um asthma attack and then i have to go to a hospital because of the fur that Blocks my airway. Well, the claws when it's this tight in the neck. This is serious. Come on, what? You're about six foot tall and you're scared of a cat. Come on. I'm not scared of cat. I just don't like them on me, and I don't trust them. Uh, because they are not affectionate. A 
cats. It's not affectionate. A cat is not affectionate. You've been with the wrong cats. Possibly been with the wrong cats, but the cats I've been with are not affectionate. A dog is affectionate. Every cat I've known has been lovely and happy and pleased to sit on you and have a bit of a chilling out time. You've met the right cats. I reckon it might just be you. Could be me. I am a miserable old git. You said it, not me. <laughs> Quote, unquote. Thank you. Pleasure. Marion, you hate cats. You're honest about this. Tell us why. I've no idea. I just can't stand them. But you must have at least one reason. I don't know. I think it's just... They're messy. I think especially in the garden. I can't stand that. But so I... when you see a cat then, automatically you look at it and go, yes. horrible little thing. I'd like to teach it to fly, literally. A flying cat? <laughs> Yeah, how about that? Hey, Robert, you don't like cats. You hate cats. Why? Yeah. I don't know. I just hate them. But why? Is it the ears? Eh? Is it their ears? No, no, no. Nose? No. Tail? No, they, they, they just scratch you a lot, cats. So all the same, they all look like the same, don't they? Different colours, though. Different colours, yeah. But you just don't like them? No. That's it. What a bunch of ridiculous answers we had there. That's why people in bed starts and bucks don't like cats. All of those people, mm. send them to the Isle of Wight. <laughs> send them to the Isle. I don't want people who don't love cats in, in beds, hearts, and bugs. Well, do you know what? We had some even stranger answers to that. But no, 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 no. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not going on record on saying that. Hang on. You're saying you don't like cats. Back it up for me right now. Don't run away. Back it up for me. Strange people. I'm not Very going much. on record. <laughs> Oh, listen, cats are just... They're, they're so much more affectionate and loving than dogs. Dogs are, are as thick as a plank of wood. I wouldn't go that far, but I don't think you'll find any... Um, can dogs any... take themselves out for a walk? No, cats can. Cats can go out do... They can do a whoopsie themselves and bury it. They take themselves out for a walk. If you forgot to feed your cat... Yeah. She would look after herself. She'd be completely self-sufficient. She'd go out and get some mice, maybe get a pigeon, eat that, have a nice little barbecue outside. <laughs> look after... Dogs! Oh, I've got no food! I've got no food! That's why they're so much more affectionate than cats. Yeah, because they're after your um, uh, food. They're after your cash. They're after your meat. Your plastic cash. Thank you very much indeed, Justin Daly. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Still a bit slow on the A1M southbound after the accident earlier between Junction 8 and 7 as you go past Stevenage, but it's looking gradually a little bit better. The A602 still quite slow through Watton at Stone on the eastbound side toward the A10, and coming away from the A10 on the A414 into Hartford is still looking very busy. Further down the 414, London Coney and the Park Street roundabouts are both looking busy. Hemel Hempstead a little bit slow on the 414 as well as you come off the M1, but the M1 actually looking much better now on the cameras. Into Bedford it's looking rather slow on the A428. It's very, very busy as you come in along the Bromham Road there. We've also got reports of problems on the A421 southbound through Marston Mortain. One lane blocked off by a broken down van. This is near Beancroft Road as you head toward the M1. We had a call come in on that very recently. M25 anti-clockwise slow as you come into the roadworks toward Potter's Bar and then also slow anti-clockwise Chorleywood round to the M4. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. Coming up to 8.47, it is uh, Wednesday, the 11th September. I'm Ian Lee, and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Coronation Street actor Michael Lavelle has been found not guilty of sexually abusing a young girl and now says he's looking to get his job back. It's claimed the HS2 rail link through Buckinghamshire may boost Britain's economy by £15 billion a year. And in sport, England have moved a step closer to qualifying for the World Cup after they drew nil-nil with the Ukraine. Coming up, we'll be speaking to Ken, who thinks his cat has uh, been murdered. But before that, let's get the latest weather. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. Well, after an autumnal night, it looks like it's going to ease off a little bit. The wind, that is the northwesterly wind. Although still cloudy this morning, we will see some brighter spells through the latter part of the morning and into the first part of the afternoon. Temperature, not too brilliant, but it's going to feel a little bit better than yesterday. 15 or 16 Celsius, the expected maximum. The latter part of the afternoon, we'll notice the cloud thicken from the west and with it outbreaks of rain overnight. It's a warm front that's moving across us eastwards and behind it, some more humid air mixed in with a bit of drizzle some mist in there as well but the minimum temperature 12 celsius so it's a rather murky start to thursday but this will break and clear and we'll get some pleasantly warm bright and sunny spells through tomorrow afternoon and we're hanging on to the warmer air as well for tomorrow at least 18 celsius the predicted maximum that's your forecast This week on EastEnders. Have you forgotten what she did to us? Has she ripped the heart from our family? She's done her time, so will they forgive? She's not some sort of monster. You haven't got to be scared of her. And can they forget? She was his mum for three and a half months. 106 days if you count in, because I was. Ronnie's back. Close your eyes long enough and the problem just disappears. Well, not this problem. EastEnders, every night this week, continues tonight at 8 on BBC One and BBC One HD. Well, that's a reason for me to start watching EastEnders again. Why? Oh, because Ronnie's back. Why? Well, I don't know. Why? Oh. 08459 is the telephone number. Uh, on the subject of Michael Lavelle, Kevin Webster has been found uh, innocent. Ian, my ex-husband, was accused of rape. This is uh, oh, anonymous, yes. Um, the police arrested him at work. They went to his home to get the clothes he was wearing when the alleged crime took place, informing his elderly mother. Within 24 hours, it was proved he hadn't done it. All that hurt and upset, the woman had done it before. Well, yeah, you see... Uh, it does. It does happen, doesn't it? And, uh, maybe, pe- maybe you should remain anonymous when um, you're accused of something like that. Collins in Dunstable. Morning, Colin. Good morning, sir. Colin, what have you called in for? Well, I'd like to inform you that the Dunstable Library is used by lots and lots and lots of people how, of all ages. How, how many people, Colin? Oh, I don't know. Well, well oh, oh, okay. Already, I've already I've shot down your first claim, and you say all kinds of ages. What ages? Uh, from adults, uh, in their, um, middle-aged, yes. elderly, yes. uh, right down to school children. Okay, but do and you see any 19 to 29-year-olds? Uh, yes, um, mainly to use the Wi-Fi facility. The wa- so they've just gone in there, just to log on to the Wi-Fi, and that's it. So why not? Well, because you could go to Starbucks and use the Wi-Fi. You can go go and stand outside someone's house. They're not really using the library's facilities, are no. they? If they just, well, if they yes, just, because they they're doing research and things like this on, on their computers. Books. Colin, what, what we need? Listen, you, you put up a brave effort. Well done. Uh, but you have to admit, we need to make libraries sexier, don't we? We we need to do something to get the young crowd in. No, I don't think we need so. the pink pound in libraries. 
Sorry? We need to get more people into libraries. We certainly do, yes. How do we do it, Colin? That's the $64,000 question. How about, listen, someone suggested earlier, we get a nice little coffee shop in the corner. Yes. Go and have a latte. Uh, Go and have a latte and a, a nice bit of carrot cake. Uh, that would be nice, yes. Yes, that would be £2.75, please, sir. How oh, funny. Uh, the trouble is, it's got to be at a reasonable, um, uh, price. I think a coffee and a carrot cake at 275 is very reasonable. I thought I'd underpriced myself. Uh, yes, yes, that mm. sounds reasonable. What was the last book you got out of a library? The last book I had to order, um, was, um... Yep. A book on uh, art forms in nature. Well, it can't have been that good if it took you so long to remember. Art forms in nature? Yeah, I'm trying to remember the um, bloke's name. It's a very old book. Must have been a riveting read. No, it was for the pictures. Oh, you just get the books for the pictures. <laughs> yes, okay, well, I mean, they, were ex- they are exceptional. Yes, yes. Well, uh, d- 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 we need to do something to make libraries sexier, Colin. And your project this week is to... It's not the book by Ernst Keichel, is it? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I've got this. Good book, good pictures. Yes. Uh, we need to do... Um, it's, I mean, I, don't, I didn't read it, but, but they are amazing pictures. Yeah, how do you know that book, then? I know, I, I know Ernst Keichel. Uh, My dad used to go to school with him. Anyway, we'll go off on a yeah, tangent. You're uh, loud. Yeah, you, we, listen, your project this week, Colin... Uh, and I'll speak to you at the end of the week is to come up with a way to make a library sexier. Can you do that for me? It depends what you mean by sexier. To get the young people in! The pink pound! Mmm. OK, I'll have a think. I'll speak to you on Friday, Colin. Bye. There we go. 08459 Put that up on the board. Friday, we're going to speak to Colin, find out how to get young people into uh, libraries. Now, why do some people hate cats? I am a cat lover, and I always find it very, very upsetting when I have to do a story like this. A Milton Keynes man says he's worried his pet cat may have died after having been maliciously fed antifreeze. Well, Ken Power believes Bo had been fed chicken coated in the substance and claims other cats in the road have died of the same thing or have gone missing. Well, Ken is on the line now. Ken, just just tell us what happened to Bo. Oh, good morning, then. Good morning. Um... What happened to Bo? Um, Friday morning, um, we normally go down and feed the cats at 8 o'clock, um, and Bo wasn't there. Uh, the other three cats were. Um, had a look around. He doesn't go far. He goes 20 yards in front of the house, 20 behind on either side. He's usually in one or two places. He sits on top of my car, or he sits on the bench in the back garden. Uh, he'll sit up there for hours and end. Um, anyway, um, I found him down this alleyway at the side of the house and uh, he was semi-conscious um, tried to wake him he did sort of wake up and then he started to have fits um, during the fits I think he must have bitten his lip because he had blood there was a lot of blood on his fur everything we got him to a vet's in Stony Stratford as quick as we could um, and the vet there Philip lovely man said I needed to get him to Walnut Tree, which is the main hospital for the Milton Keynes Veterinary Group, um, as quick as we could, that he'd need some uh, Darzy pan to stop the fitting. So eventually made it to Walnut Tree. Um, an amazing vet there called Rebecca, seen him, um, 
and they tried to treat him, but um, I think at that stage he was in second, third stage of poisoning. Um, and surprisingly enough, what they do is they give the cat um, vodka. Sorry? Uh, they give it vodka? They give it vodka. Um, wow. It helps to flush the antifreeze out of the system. Um, and then they put them on a drip. Um, they gave them painkillers. Stop the fitting. Um, so, Rebecca looked after him for several hours. And then in the evening, about four o'clock, um, she said the prognosis was really bad. Um, and the kindest thing to do would be to put him to sleep. Okay, and I'm so, I'm sorry to hear that. Listen, I'm a cat owner and a cat lover, and, and uh, th- th- it's a very upsetting story. What makes you think he was poisoned? Because we, we hear that sometimes cats do like to sit under cars to keep warm. So what makes you think that this was malicious? Well, um, initially, when we found him, we thought that he'd probably been hit by a car, uh, and that was because of the blood. He had blood in his mouth. Um, but once we took him to the vets and the fitting had started and all that, I think the first vet that had seen him knew straight away what it was. And then it was confirmed later at the hospital um, when they'd done blood tests, um, they'd done urine tests and found high concentrations of sugar in his urine. And the blood test came back as almost positively antifreeze poisoning. And is there any evidence, Ken, to, to suggest that this was a malicious act of well, cat murder? Later on, um, when we thought about it, we thought the best possible outcome would be if it was a tragic accident and somebody had been doing some maintenance on the car or perhaps spilled some antifreeze because that would mean that the rest of the cats would be safe to go out because it was an accident. Um, however, it... It doesn't appear to be that way. Um, Her cat died at the very beginning of her street, and the other cat was right at the bottom, a fair distance between them. Plus, two other cats have gone missing as well. Uh, We don't know what's happened to those cats. Ken, listen, I appreciate your time this morning. Thank you very much for coming on, and uh, I'm sorry to hear your loss. People who aren't pet owners always scoff. Oh, you you just go and get another cat. Oh, go and get another dog. No, 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 no. It doesn't doesn't work like that, I'm afraid. You soulless, heartless people. The the pet is a part of the family. Well, we'll be following that, Ken, and no doubt we'll be speaking to you again on the radio at some point to find out uh, if uh, any more cats have um, passed away in suspicious circumstances in Milton Keynes. And if you uh, have a story that you think we might like to do on the show, then why don't you get in touch with us? I believe a member of Ken's family got in touch with us. That's how we got that exclusive. You can send me an email, ian.lee, I-A-I-N dot L-double-E at bbc.co.uk. Uh, if you just put down, uh, what are you looking at me for? What have I done? You're looking at me funny. Have I done something? I didn't do a swear, did I? Gosh, wouldn't that be awful? Uh, you can send me an email, ian.lee at bbc.co.uk and uh, just give us a few lines about what the story's about and um, how it affects you. And uh, we, we will certainly send one of our top reporters to look at it if we think it's worth looking at. If it's not, we'll put it in the trash bin in my uh, email. That's how it works. That's how it works. Be realistic. You know, be realistic about it. Right, let's get the travel news. <laughs> travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Problems in Marston Mortain still on the A421 southbound. There's a lane blocked by a broken down van near Beancroft Road as people head down toward the M1 and it's definitely looking busy back past Wooten and toward Bedford. Into Bedford still looking slow eastbound on the Bromham Road, the A4280 and the A428 a little bit better on the approach. A1M is actually looking much better now past Stevenage where we had the accident a little earlier. Into London though you'll still find some short delays on the southbound A1 with queues around the Holiday Inn Junction and Stirling Corner and a little bit of slow moving traffic at Mill Hill Circus. M25 anti-clockwise slow from Waltham Abbey through to Potter's Bar into the roadworks. Delays from Maple Cross to the M4 Junction 17 to 15 as well but if you're travelling by train or by tube this morning your journey should be a good one. They're all still running well. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam thank you very much indeed. Thank you to everyone who took part in the show. Getting lots of phone calls this week, which is good. I like more, please. Don't forget, go to iTunes and download the podcast. JBS is up next. Until tomorrow at six, from me, ta-ta. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. Good morning. Welcome to the JBS show. I'm Jonathan Vernon-Smith. It's Wednesday and on today's big phone-in... Is it right that we name people accused of sex crimes? Coronation Street star Michael Lavelle has been cleared of a number of child sex abuse charges,